righty, folks, and welcome back to another Out of the Rough Golf. A special one for you today. The Masters is over, and we're about to talk about it. Yeah, it's uh, it's a, it's a, it's a Monday after. Coming to you a little late. Had time to digest the full, the full effect of what took place. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it was a different kind of Masters. I feel like the the week transpired in a way that I think a lot of people didn't really see coming from the first round kind of getting off to a hot start for Justin Rose and it finishing with a Hideki win I think I think if you had to interview you know 100 people about what they think the, was gonna happen to the Masters that wasn't was not gonna be one of them yeah I agree I uh never uh, obviously at the beginning of the week you uh heard who I thought was gonna win uh Hideki wasn't even that in that realm at all and nor did I really ever think, I mean, Hideki has played well at Augusta in the past, but I just, I never thought he was ever going to win Augusta. Like, but you know, more power to him. He, he struck the shit out of the ball, especially on Saturday on the back nine fucking was it an amazing back nine considering he was not hitting any fairways and still managed to golf his ball, man. Yeah. I mean, coming out of the rain delay, he just started lighting just up the firing. fucking course. Do we do we think if there was no rain? Obviously, this is all speculation. But do you think the rain delay kind of helped him? Well, I think the rain delay helped everybody. I think Hideki it just leaned into his strengths, and also he was one of the few people that went out there and started playing extremely aggressively. It was like this is my moment to it's seize soft. the tournament. Yeah, and so he made the decision to do it. Him and his, you know his. His caddy figured that was the right strategy to go about doing it, and it paid dividends. You know, it gave him the cushioned lead that he needed to to kind of just play as conservatively as he kind of needed to on Sunday to continue to hold on to the tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, Hideki was one of those people three or four years ago where you watch him, you're like, yeah, he's gonna have a major. Like he'll he'll knock one out, and it just never happened. And I I think his story is really incredible really because it's kind of like a battle of attrition for him like he's battled the full-blown putter yips he's struggled in the greens for the entirety of his career and yet has still remained to be this elite player on tour which is such a amazing accomplishment because he strives at the one part of the game that usually gives most people difficulty so for me i you know the more that time passes the more i'm pretty stoked for hideki matsuyama i mean i wasn't at all bummed with him winning i know he wasn't on the top of the list for any of us in terms of who we want to see win it and you know coming out of the stretch i was probably rooting more for uh xander obviously in my wolf pack mm-hmm. but even wills Torres over hideki but at by no means am i disappointed with hideki winning i'm actually pretty thrilled for him because it's a pretty amazing story it's a long time coming yeah for sure i and mean he, after the tournament was over a lot of people were talking about the immense pressure put on him by the country of japan and how he's held in such a high regard as far as athletics go in that country and stuff i don't know how true any of that is but it does sound like something like you would feel from a japanese culture how they you know take work so seriously and honoring their family and stuff like yeah that. so it would make sense and i i'm sure uh you know he's felt that pressure you know, but to what extent? I mean, yeah. What does what does Hideki look like at majors now? He's freed up and he's got one, right? And kind of probably the most important one to him too, because like 
he got into this event 10 years ago for his debut. He wanted a 10 year anniversary after, you know, winning the Asian Pacific AM, I believe it is Mm -hmm. got in as like a 19 year old, got low amateur there and then came back 10 years later and won it. And I can, I think this was really one of his introductions into like true big league golf. And I think honestly, if you probably asked Hideki to rank him, he probably would put the masters as this one. He wanted to win most. I'm sure that's probably true for almost every guy on tour i would think but i think but for the, him especially a lot of the europeans want to win the open more for sure but that makes sense i mean there's also plenty of people in the u.s that say the u.s open your boy gerdog says that the u.s open was the one that he wanted even before he had won it yeah in interviews so you know it's it's different strokes for different folks but i think this really is the one that hideki wanted badly and i'm really excited for him and we're insulated to the u.s to really understand the magnitude of it but you know there was an interview with uh, or at least someone asked a question about, you know, what's Hideki like or like what's the world kind of like for Hideki? And Adam Scott answered uh, the question is basically like Hideki's essentially Tiger outside the U.S. to like Asian culture. Like he is Tiger for them. Like he has that mm-hmm. magnitude, that presence that like think of all the Japanese media that follows him around at all those tournaments and how often Japanese media is asking American golfers questions about Hideki. Right. Mm-hmm. And like that, that's it's the lifeblood of their culture. And if you look at it per capita, like Japan is a much bigger golf country than the U.S. even is. Like they right. have more per capita courses, more like per square footage. It's a huge golfing nation. If if that's the case, it's wild that there isn't more like guys on the PGA Tour from Japan. Yeah, but you know what's crazy is that Kachitani won the Anwa and was is also Japanese yeah, this they, very they same did a, week. a sweep at yeah. Augusta mm-hmm. the, the past two weeks. A little bit of a harbinger to what was to come. Yeah. So um yeah, so I think it's it's a really cool story and like you know, Sean Martin wrote a great piece about it and he's someone who's been following, you know, Hideki at least as an Anglo, you know, uh American based writer of Hideki for a long time, kind of documenting his struggles and just talking about how like this guy, it, he should be so much more successful than he actually is, and I think a lot of it is that pressure yeah. of and you know, putting. But yeah, well, it comes down well, like it's yeah. one of the most nervy part of your games, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you know, this might unlock a monster from Hideki. Like he gets this one monkey off of his back, and he starts just letting that ball strike and carry him. Yeah. Do we think that uh, eliminating his paws at the top of the backswing has? helped his game at all or is that just kind of uh, i think I it's the like evolution of the swing yeah. like he his some of his most successful strokes gained seasons was with yeah, the, the pause well that's that was kind of where i was getting with that like this is his first win since 2017 and since the remove of the pause at the top of the backswing and i wonder if that's just w- working into it or i don't know i would be curious to hear like his answer to that question like what why did you feel like you needed to eliminate the pause from your swing? Did you feel pressure from coaches or just the fact that no one else really did that or yeah. yeah. It feels like just kind of like a spotlight thing about his person like a part of his game that's like very obvious and pronounced. Mm-hmm. But I mean if you look at any player on tour like apart from maybe like a handful all of their swings are evolving mm-hmm. into different yeah. directions. You could take almost anyone as any example, but DJ used to play a draw. You know, Spieth is not playing a fade off of the yeah. tee. He, you know, he went with the chicken wing. He had no chicken wing and he's back, back to a chicken yeah. wing. And he, like there's 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 tons of different things that people are tweaking all the time. It's just Hideki was known for that pause and it with it going away to a degree, you know, you just start seeing him I guess finding success and that's the thing that people can easily point right. to. Um but for me, I I think 
Hideki more than anything else is he just needed the reps and the the opportunity to seize his moment with the strength of his game. And I think that exact point earlier, which got us down this track around it being soft conditions from the hard rain and him being like, okay, ball striking is my, is my uh, strongest part of my game. And if it's wet and I can get it and it's going to, you know, it's going to check up, you know, I'm going to fire at pins and I'm going to, you know, I wonder if you asked him candidly on Thursday after playing and how fast those greens were rolling and how slippery if he would have told you that he had any chance at all after Thursday out there. Because um, I think that rain and softening it up and slowing things down was the biggest factor. I think if you – this will be a good segue, I think, in the sense that I think if you asked anyone on Thursday, they'd be like, well, it, there's a good chance I don't have a you know a chance yeah. because Justin Rose is five shots clear of everybody. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, if that were the case, you know, after the first round, Data Golf had Justin Rose at winning at like thirty three percent. Yeah. So I think a lot of people are like, yeah, I'm kind of we're out, out of this, this a little bit. Yeah. So I mean, that that I'd be interested to kind of have a discussion about Justin Rose because he has been pretty absent from contention in tournaments for. I don't know, like a year and a half since he won with the Hanma clubs when they first came around and then yep. pretty much fade away after Very that. Very quickly. Um, and then here he is, you know, missing cuts, having injuries, you know, pulling out of events. Uh, and then come around Thursday at Augusta and he looks like one of the greatest golfers I've literally ever seen in my life. Like yeah. playing the best golf I've possibly ever seen. On, like, yeah. on the day that was... Hardest, the hardest course. Exactly. Hardest that's, what I'm like, that's the best golf. That that round of golf was the best golf that we saw at Augusta. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He just didn't sustain it for long right. enough. And look, I, I, it, it's it's wild to me how razor thin that line is. And it's easy to say that like these guys are better than these guys. And, you know, it doesn't work well for following storylines. And this probably is a problem for golf in general. But it's just the margins are so thin. Yeah. The, a guy could be completely obsolete from contention for over a year. And then a few things click. He puts in some work. I'm sure it's arduous, long process, but boom, he's right there top at the top of the leaderboard. And there's a fucking Walmart of distance between him and the next person that yeah. can catch him. So it's a fickle, fickle game, man. It's wild. Even on, on Sunday when Hideki had the substantial lead to start the day. Um, I mean, immediately at number one he bogeyed on sunday and it was like okay well the field is fucking gonna be right back in this this tournament and even up until 15 like xander birdied 15 and uh hideki hit the ball into the water and then it was down to a two-stroke difference and you're thinking okay we're going into 16 the par three and there's a damn good chance that fucking xander could birdie and Hideki could bogey or even par, and it'd be even closer. Right. But, uh, I mean, we all know what happened there. Xander ended up hitting yeah. the ball into the water. Should um, we Should we spend some time? I was going to say, that seems like a good thing to dive into. So, start talking some Xander? Yeah. Yeah, we can. Um, I really hated to see that because I obviously wasn't – I was not rooting for Hideki to win the tournament. I was pulling for, obviously, Spieth to win it. Um, he was out of it relatively quickly. And then after that, towards the end on Sunday, I was rooting for Zalatoris or Sir Shoffley. Yeah, yeah, I mean, let, let, if we were being honest about, I mean, for, granted for how often we talk about Spieth on this podcast and how much we like Spieth, I think it's fair to say that Spieth at 
Spieth continually across this tournament kind of pretended to be in contention and had moments of like, you know, becoming a viable option for like a little bit. But it's also part of what makes Augusta really good for television is that they kind of trick you into thinking that these people are in contention because, you know, all these other people have gone through these birdie holes and, you know, they're racking up red figure, you know, red numbers, but it's like the leaders haven't crossed through that area yet. Right. And, you know, Spieth shown, you know, tons of flashes of greatness and you could see pathways for him to win this major. And look, it's, he's playing super solid golf. He supposedly led the field strokes gained tee to green, which never fucking happens. Yeah. Um, and, you know, if, if, if Spieth continues to do this, he's going to be a dominant force. And, you know, it's another strong showing. I mean, T third Augusta, continues to be an insane golfer there i think like across the span of like four or five separate years only like six people have beat him in augusta like that's fucking wild yeah i mean augusta is definitely one of the you know speece it's like speece fucking course he plays well there every single time he tees it up even if his game isn't necessarily in the best shape um i think when it's all said and done he will eventually have another green jacket um if not a couple um when that but, was always the joke when yeah. he was struggling was he should just play augusta yeah like, don't play any other events just play at augusta because i think you're right he will have at least one more yeah but uh but yeah let's have get those fresh valero boots dude <laughs> let's That's get true. back onto xander for a little bit um you know, you really hate to see what happened on 16 there. Just his facial expression on the tee box after he did that, you know, just it it said it all. Like, you could just see he was fucking heartbroken. Yeah. Um, another close call at Augusta. He knew right then and there, like, it was pretty much this one. This one was more real, though, right? Like, yeah. this is the one where, like, he chased from behind, you know, during the uh, – the tiger year yeah and you know he had an opportunity to possibly right. get himself like into a playoff but this was the one where like he was a true kind of viable option for more of the tournament than normal and you know with that being the case he probably felt a lot more pressure than normal and he th- you know he's been in contention and been a part of these tournaments you know pretty frequently but you know this one felt probably one of the closest you know that he had been to you know, maybe knocking one out you know the the next one that comes to mind is is probably like the open at you know uh carnoustie where you know he had a a lead at one point you know going into uh sunday and uh it's it's tough you know he's in my wolf pack i wanted to see him you know get it out there and you know i kind of was telling myself just not to get too high because i'm like there's just no way he can like hideki can't lose this thing you know he he's just been playing too good of golf and as much as I like Xander and I see these all, all these different scenarios playing out, like I'm not going to trick myself into believing it can happen. Then next thing you know, it's a two shot, you know, deficit going in the 16. And I know Hideki's going to play it, you know, relatively safe, yeah. put it up top. You could easily three put cause it's a Hideki and all Xander has to do is birdie that hole that a lot of people have been birdying. Cause it's a funnel pin. Leash almost made an ace. The literally it, two groups in front of him. Yeah. It's the, I mean, it's the, it's the signature funnel pin on Sunday right. there. And I'm like, okay, Hideki's gonna play it safe. He's gonna go above the hole. He might three putt. That's a that's a bogey. And then Xander could easily just put it close and get a birdie. birdie. And, and it's it's now tied going into eighteen. Mm-hmm. I really felt like when they got on the tee box on sixteen, I was like, Xander is in the driver's seat right now. Like I, this is absolutely where Hideki's nervy after fifteen, after bogeying. Yeah, like he's gonna stick one close, and now Hideki has to really think about. And Xander had just had four birdies in a row. Like yeah. he was on. Yeah. 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 
No, and he he was playing stellar golf. I mean, his front nine is where he really gave up the tournament, mm-hmm. um, and he, he he pretty much clawed back, yeah. clawed back as best he could. But it, it was it was Hideki's limitation of the damage on fifteen that saved him there, and it was his ability to basically just rely on his ball striking on 18 to basically be like hey it will xander fading but like it just being like okay i i saved my damage on on 15 you know this is the best i can do we'll see how 16 goes and we'll just take it from there right and he put into a safe spot and i bet you in his head he was thinking like okay like i can probably two putt from here and no harm no foul like yeah. at the end of the day if xander birdies um i'll uh i'll uh i'll go into 18 with a one shot one shot lead but i mean xander hit first anyway i was gonna say xander so, had the box yeah so xander hit first and it's like okay it's it's over i got this yeah um did hideki think that xander was gonna triple fuck no but at that point like xander was distraught quick. i mean also after taking the drop xander air mailing it over the green was yeah. just another brutal thing it like, was over at that point for sure yeah so do we want to talk a little bit about Xander's shot on 16 because in my eyes that was like an unmissable miss like the way he did when we're watching it we're debating you know was he just trying to stick it close but even if that's what he was doing that's not the right shot to do that I think Uh, that he he had nerves as well and I think he just missed did not hit the shot he was trying to hit it it was an uncharacteristic shot from what you expect from Shafley and you know he he said that he got kind of basically hit by the wind and he hit the shot how he wanted to. And he just, it just, it just may have been the wrong club decision and it resulted in him being short. It, the, the thought to me though, is that you have an entire backstop behind you, like always air on the side of the club being You're- too long. And you may think adrenaline and stuff like that. But I mean, at the end of the day, dude, like if it's coming, like I get that you want to go for it, you want to go for the win, but everything so far has been like play it right play it long and let yep. it feed down there it, exactly and if you got to make a putt you got to make a putt yeah mm-hmm. well it, it gives it, you it's de- i mean it's you know there's two thoughts there it's like okay do you do what you're saying and potentially have a long birdie putt and make par or do you fucking go for it and try to get the win and i think that was maybe the route he was going for and it just didn't work in his favor yeah but he also set up for the tournament he's like well i also knew with hideki playing a left to right ball flight you know that he was gonna possibly put it in there close it's like but that's you can't control that like right. it, it at the end of the day Hideki's sitting on a two-shot lead he's gonna err on the side of conservatism and that's gonna be long most likely to hit the green then he's gonna have a fucking tough putt back down I mean I was saying it before he hit the shot and he ended up being right where I said he was gonna yeah. be and I like I saw a putt spot I was like hey he could easily three putt this he actually probably will three putt this and then he did yeah what if you're Xander and you can think okay best case scenario this comes down to a putting contest between me and Hideki and I'm like that's just fine like with where he's sitting he should be comfortable with that. I mean even just at that point you know you you try your best to get yourself in position to birdie and if you can yeah. do it with the putt then great if not you know you you don't know if par isn't a bad score there like yeah. at that point with what's going on like Hideki has to hit in the perfect spot so that he could have you know an easy birdie or a two putt par and then if he puts himself long for the safe spot he can three putt like he did and whatever you part he bogeys it you go into 18 with the one shot deficit all of a sudden Hideki you know has to step up and fucking get through that fucking hole and if you look at Xander's drive on 18 he fucking murdered it yeah like well, and it, it seems like the from past viewings, 
Like, you can only lose the tournament on 16 there. I, it's not like he was going to win the tournament by making birdie, and but you can absolutely play yourself right would, out of this thing. I would argue that Tiger kind of won the Augusta on, in 19, you know, going eagle 15 and then closing the door by birdieing 16 by stuffing well, it close. Well, but there was also guys in the water there that, that lost no, the tournament. No, Brooks was still able to that, – that, that, that point when Brooks stopped on 17 and heard the roar and looked back is basically what shook Brooks and then made yeah. a bad swing on 17. Sure. And it, it I would say you can definitely close a the door there. And if Hideki – if Hideki if puts H- it close if, if and Hideki makes birdie, it, if Hideki puts it close there, he went, he went, he goes into eighteen with a with three, three shot, shot lead. lead. Yeah, it's fucking over. Yeah, that's true. So it it was important. Like I understand Xander's decision making, and if you know if he if they miss club and they misjudge the wind and he got caught by a gust and it fell short, then that fucking sucks. And I trust their decision making with that For that sure. they made the uh, that they made the right decision there. But. Uh, I think he said he got caught by surprise a couple times too with some irons that went longer than he expected. So maybe he thought he was hitting it long, um, and so maybe that obviously wasn't the case on this shot. But yeah, yeah. So I mean, look, us in the uh, the heavy Xander camp and you know part of the Wolfpack. It, it's it's what I've come to expect from Xander. You know, extremely good play in majors. I mean, at this rate, as far as people who haven't won majors. I think you can't really come up with a, sh- a list that I think who deserves a major at this point more than Xander in the modern era that doesn't have one in terms of performance at majors. Like tr- I'm hard pressed to think of one. Yeah. I mean, he's been in 18 majors and I think he's top five, like four top 10, like nine. Yeah. I mean, it's him and like Xander that I comes up on the top of my head. No, yeah. I'm saying Xander. Yeah. Oh yeah. Gotcha. Who was the other person you were thinking of? Hide- I thought you were talking. No, no, Hideki. Yeah. No, I mean, Hideki historically hasn't had that great yeah. of major performances. Like, he's had some good forms. Like, that year when Phil won at yep. Muirfield, like, he was playing really well on on Saturday. And, like, he was making a charge. And then he got, he got fucking penalized for slow play. Yeah. And then, like, just started falling off. And then, you know, he's had some showings and showing up at, like, some U.S. Opens. Um, but for the, for the most part, I just don't see him being – um, the person that people are kind of waiting for to get one, like it's like, oh, of course, now that he has one, and you know he's an elite player, but not many people are picking him going into to different majors to do it. But to me, I think he's going to be now a, a real threat with kind of I think a little bit of pressure lifted, or it might have the opposite. Yeah. Maybe the Asian <laughs> yeah. world is now like you are or, now yeah, the you're guy. god, yeah, and, you know you got to start racking out, you know, knocking out a bunch of these. Yeah. I don't know. Well, it sounds like he already he's kind of been dealing with that pressure for the last five years anyway, that he's already gotten more reporters than almost anybody on tour following him. And he's got kind of his his crew that he's used to dealing with. So I can't imagine that it would be too much pressure, but we will see. Yeah. I mean, I think this is going to be a huge success for Augusta, too. Yeah. Like, I think this is exactly the result they could like that they would want. I think it's going to be probably one of the highest like ratinged masters as well. I bet you it's going to be a hugely like it's going to be a huge thing for just golf in general going forward. I think we really sleep on at least here like how big this could be for the growth of the sport at large just when you look at that international kind of viewership of the world. and yeah. Um I mean if you take just for instance the ladies game when NB Park won a gold medal in the olympics for women's professional golf the ratings for that event 
was like on the rating score, like a 23. When Tiger won at Augusta, it was an eight. Yeah. Like a lot of people care about golf in the continent of Asia. Yeah. And for him, I think Hideki winning this is going to be a huge spotlight in the sport. And whether that materializes into equipment sponsorships making a lot more money and players seeing more endorsement deals and they start moving more equipment and they build more courses or whatever the case may be, right. they expand the game in different ways and we see new fresh faces and personalities. Um, I think this will be huge for golf, honestly. It, it, as far as outside of the U.S., Hideki is the needle to a degree. Yeah. So, I mean, it, to me, it's pretty cool. And, you know, we, we've kind of talked briefly about Hideki – We've talked a little bit about Xander. We talked about Justin Rose, but we haven't talked about the solo second place fella who I think deserves a little bit of conversation around in it. That's Zalatoris. That's that's Willie. Willie that's boy. William that's William Zalatoris. Happy Gilmore's caddy. Yeah. Um I you know, I've been impressed with his game, but uh this week truly uh I think cemented him in, you know, the upper echelon of ball strikers and just uh, proved to a lot of people that, you know, he's going to be here for a while and, you know, going to be a name on tour that, you know, is going to be brought up a lot. Kind of the antithesis to Bryson, too. I mean, this guy doesn't weigh anything (laughs) and he's out here just absolutely wrecking people. And really the only masters that Bryson played well at, he was a beanpole. He was skinny. He was a tiny little guy. You yeah. know, kind of similar to fucking Zalatoris's build. Yeah. There was a shocking amount of conversation in our viewership about Zalatoris's size. Un- unreal. Really... I don't even want to talk about it here because it's so annoying to yeah. hear. Um, but unreal. His game is tack sharp. He is an incredible, incredible strong-willed and, like, even-keeled guy. He's, he has the maturity of someone who's been on tour for decades and just listening to him speak about his game and just he just sounds like an incredibly humbled person and i i think just that resolve will pay huge dividends long term for him apart from the fact that he's just an incredible player um he's just masterful with his irons he's got tack sharp um wedge play and you know, it's just it's wild to watch him just hoist these cuts in the air, just very similar to JT in that respect. Yeah. Just really lashing at the ball with very little size and still getting so much distance out of it. And for for a lot of people that don't really see themselves in a lot of these golfers, like watching Bryson, like there's gonna be people out there that are just like small people thinking like, stoked. Oh, I can't get that much on my game, like watching him be like, Wow, like anyone can do this. Like it's yeah. It's wild. You just got to, you know, it takes a raw amount of talent, but, you know, he's really perfected his game. Yeah. At well, such a young age. Yeah. it. I'm really, really going to be interested to see what happens with him as far as the FedEx goes. He still is not even qualified right now because he doesn't have a tour win. Yeah, it's fucking stupid. And it's going to be crazy. It might be his best bet to go play some Corn Fairy events and try and get – he needs two more Corn Fairy It doesn't wins. matter, though, because it wouldn't help him for this – season it will, so if he, he wins he, two he more need, he needs to he needs to win a pga tour event and he needs to, and at this stage like it's just fucking just give him a card right. like i i just i don't i don't understand it i i get that you guys are like the rules of the rules but it's like i don't know if this is true but i heard he has like unlimited sponsors he does exemptions. have yeah he does um, yeah, yeah for the rest of yeah. the year yeah yeah so. 
But it doesn't like he doesn't mean he has his card. But like he's gonna be able to play the rest I, yeah. of this year. He's just missing. I wouldn't put it past him that he's gonna win. Like I think he'll win one of these smaller events. Like he's running out of time week. for the playoffs, though, which is yeah. the thing is that like he's missing out on a boatload of money mm-hmm. for the FedEx Cup playoffs because of some arbitrary rule that he's not on tour, even though he's outperforming ninety five percent of the what tour. And if the if the FedEx Cup was giving points out right now, he'd be in like the top ten of points. I think he'd be yeah ninth or eighth, something it, crazy. It's just fucking bizarre to me. Like, what other sport does this? <laughs> like, it, it. I get that you have rules for certain things, but there's when there's clearly like something that everyone is talking about, like it needs to be accommodated. Well, and if you if you really don't want someone like him to be getting FedEx Cup points and playing in the playoffs then the rule should be that you have to go through Corn Ferry to do it. And there's no, like, no questions asked. Like, yeah, like you don't why, get to play tour events. Why yeah, is exactly. he here? Why is he playing right now if he can't be playing in the You have a guy like, who's performing in the top 10 of your, essentially, of your statistical points race. Right. And you have to be in the one tw- and, top 125. Yeah to get to the playoffs and you're just going to tell this guy no 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 because of our arbitrary rules of inclusion and how you get into becoming a member for this thing yeah and i understand like having a precedent and having certain rules but there should be at least the you know the pornography rule in the sense like you know when you you see see it it, and you you break the rule for this particular case right i mean for fuck's sake he 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 missed out by one stroke to get into a playoff to win this thing so he would become a pga tour member right in a major one of the most coveted you know sports wins of all time yeah so to me it's 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 bizarre that he's kind of like being he's not being slept on people understand how this is ridiculous and i'm sure the pj tour is just looking at themselves like we look like fucking idiots yeah i don't know if they're that self-aware i'm sure plenty of them are (laughs) um so it's it's just one of those things to me where there's nothing saying that you can't change this right and create, maybe they create, will. Su- create yeah. some footnote rule to this where it's like if you reach this level with yeah. the if you're within the top you're granted, 10 like yeah it's all it's all made up everything here is made up we're playing a game with artificial points for a professional sports league that's purely entertainment driven and a, and a fedex cup playoffs without will zalatoris is not as engaging or interesting a hundred percent agree can you imagine though let's say you're the guy who's been working his ass off and gets into spot 125, and then the tour calls and like, hey. You should have played better than Will Zalatoris. Yeah. And the other 124 <laughs> people ahead of you. Yeah, but you thought you had to get to this one spot, and you did that, and now you've got a real chance to win life-changing money, and it's like, oh, sorry, this kid's been really good. And like, I, That would be heartbreaking as well. Like, Yeah, and I feel, I feel for that whole, one person, my only response would be like, you should have played better. a little bit better. Sure. And also, like, if you're – at least in the 126 spot of the FedEx Cup ranking, you're probably not doing that bad for money. Yeah. So, for sure. like, I get, okay, you go back to the Corn Ferry Finals, you're straight to final stage of the Corn Ferry Finals. And if you got to 126 in the, in the, you know, you could probably get through that. Like, right. Look, like, I'm sorry that Will Zalatoris is playing better than all these people. Like, if, like, and the I'm, 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 firstly, no, I'm not sorry. Yeah. Like, it's, look, he is like, I was looking at it earlier. Is he 26th in the world now? 25th. 25th in the world now. Yeah. it's There's a bazillion different ways you can make him qualified for this thing. Like, I think the easiest thing is that if you reach artificially yeah. into the top 10 or top 20 of the FedEx Cup rankings, you automatically are given a PJ Tour card. 
Like, so, that should be it. Yeah. Like, that's the whole point of this. Yeah. You've and the, the stupid thing is, day. is that there's this running tally of his possible points for this sort of thing. Where he and just if he, and gets, if he gets to if he, get, if he gets yeah. a win, yeah. then he gets those points retroactively. Like, what? Wh- if that's even a possibility, then why are we having this conversation? Yeah, it's insane. Is uh, is he eligible for Ryder Cup? Then he can't yes. be. He is. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's six captain's picks. Like, they could easily just pick him. Yeah, yeah. I don't think you have to be. Uh, that's it's, what I was just wondering if you have to have a card. T- no, it's yeah. completely unaffiliated from the okay. PGA Tour. Hmm. I would love would be, to see him on the Ryder Cup. I think he seems yeah. like a really good candidate for it. It would just be wild to see him at the Ryder Cup. And it's like, no, nah, he still doesn't even actually have his card on tour. And he's been picked by, you know, the 12 best guys in the field that they think playing right now would yeah. be really interesting. Yeah. Um, I I think it'd be a complete travesty if they don't figure something out before this rolls around. I think I think it's one of those things that's damn near unforgivable. Like, you clearly don't care about your product at that point, And you have – it just seems like such a – strange 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 decision that you clearly can't seem to figure out like a very simple kind of workaround for this yeah it'll be wild to see hopefully he gets it done the way he's playing right now you got to think that he is going to get it done but it's really hard to win on tour (laughs) regardless of how well you're playing it's a hard thing to do so it would be so brutal to keep seeing him finishing in top tens and top fives and not get there but we'll see yeah yeah, for sure. So I, I'm stoked for him getting second place. You know, he made a boatload of fucking cash, and yeah. uh, you know that that kid's you know set. And I just I just hope to see him play more golf because he's fucking thrilling to watch play golf. And yeah. He's really fucking good. I hope this isn't just kind of like a honeymoon phase at Augusta. I hope he continues to come here and play this well. And uh, you know, I just the more and more I've consumed of him and content, the more I'm a fan. Like yeah. the kid just seems great. And uh, agree more. I like seeing different kinds of people out there on tour, you know, being successful. Um, He's getting love from Adam Sandler too. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 solid. Um, so we've talked the four four guys, you know, albeit briefly with Spieth. Um, uh, you know, Hideki, Will Zalatoris, Jordan Spieth, Xander Shoffley. Do you guys want to take a minute to speak on your boy who who Rombo got T fifth? Um, if we can talk a little bit about him, like. Uh, he had a great Sunday real just went about his business out there and, you know, did shot a 66, uh, the first three days he just stayed at even, um, I think even was a good score on Thursday. Yeah. Um, the other two days, not so, not, not so much, Yeah, but, especially uh, Saturday, you know, he, he just didn't do what he had to do. And I, he, he knows that. And I think he even came out and said something like, all of his finishes, you know, he was never really in contention for the win. And right. oh, um, it's so fucking true. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and he said it himself. But uh, I definitely think it's a course he can win at. I def- I don't really think there's a course that he can't win at. Um, I just think that's how good he is. Obviously, I've s- expressed that many times on this podcast. Um, but uh, I don't know if Ryan has any more to say about him. Um, I mean just to even get in the top 10 a week after having your first kid and to do all that, it'd be hard. It, I, like I said last week, I wasn't expecting him to win this week because of life happening. And I think he'll be there next year as a, with the guy I'm going to pick to win it. Um, so 
good enough performance, big finish on Sunday. It's going to be tough when Jordan's winning it. But yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, we will see. Um, can we talk a little bit about a few guys? Mark Leishman, yeah. Let, give me a minute. I can't no, really. I wasn't going to talk. I wasn't going to say Mark Leishman. Uh, I was going to say. That's shocking. I was going to say DJ, Kepka, and Rory. All missing the cut. Damn, we got to get to the negatives. Um, all right. Yeah, let's start with my boy. Um, it's tough seeing Rory, you know, play this way. He's clearly in the wilderness. Um, yeah. I mean, do do you still have confidence that he's going to get a green jacket at some point? Or does it has I mean, the... He's, he's 31 and Augusta's the kind of place where yeah, you can I mean, play it. Go ahead where you can play into pretty old age and his his swing is you know or was extremely fluid and you know he's just a master of, of his biomechanics and I, I just don't see that and he's just in such good shape i just don't and you see what yeah. phil's doing like i just he he has the work ethic so i just yeah. don't see him not being around for the a long time and he's going to get a, bu- a bunch of shakes at it, at least 10 more shakes at it mm-hmm. and and to me is rory gonna knock out one more uh, knock out a green jacket in the next 10 tries you know i can't say who's going to be a factor in golf in 10 years like what the next crop of kids are yeah. like what the competitive landscape is like do if i had to put a percentage on it um you know i would i would put it out I, I would put it at probably like 60% chance that he gets a green jacket. Yeah, if you set the over-under at 0.5, I'm taking the over on it every time. I, I think he definitely gets it done. I think he uh, he's made some changes recently, and um, he's searching for something. I think eventually somebody's getting his ear and be like, look, dude, you were the best golfer in the world. That's Why what, would that's you get away Cowan's from that? That's what supposed to be right now. Yeah. So I'm going to give that some time. Um, Rory's the kind of guy that he's not, he's not stupid. He's making the right decisions for his game and everything he's doing, he's trying to do it because he wants to be as great as he can be. Yeah. And I, I just don't think he's just kind of like, I, I, I trust him. I trust him to make the right decisions for himself. And I think I just want to give him time for this. You know, am I kind of, you know, stuck with maybe, you know, a lower performing, um, you know, Rory on my, fancy team right now then i mean yeah he's not exactly the 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 best performer in terms of points for for my team right now but don't worry i got speed we're all good (laughs) yeah not exactly what i thought you'd be saying at the beginning of this year when we drafted teams that's crazy (laughs) i'm happy for you then but Um, yeah i just kind of wanted to i mean obviously talk about those guys but as far as rory goes you know it does seem like there is that that masters what's like getting the grand slam, like it just seems like there's something about this tournament that is, yeah, you know, for whatever it reason. Him. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm waiting for that to become fuel though, rather than kind of anxiety. Pressure. Yeah, anxiety. That's a better way to put it. Like for me, there's some people that see greatness as an opportunity, mm-hmm. and there's some people that see greatness as like this burden. Right. And I think for a long time, Rory's kind of felt greatness as a burden. I think he's, you know, from the very beginning, he's always said, like, I don't want to be Tiger. And, you know, to a degree, getting the Grand Slam, like, will catapult him back into being like this guy where everyone's talking about him. And maybe he doesn't necessarily want that. He maybe want the accomplishment for himself. For sure. But maybe this kind of feels like a burden to him. And 
I think one of these days when he's become more comfortable with himself and his life, and look, it's crazy for me to say what he is or isn't about his life, but mm-hmm. um, there may be a there may be a year just where he's in a mindset where he's like, this feels right, and yeah. like I I this doesn't feel like anxious. This feels like an opportunity, and I'm like in the right mental space for this. Like, what? Look, he's had seven shots at this since he, he yep. he's had a Grand Slam opportunity. You know. Out of seventeen, if I think he's competitive for ten more years, like, look, I just, I think it's gonna, I still think it's gonna happen. That is an insane amount of pre- like just gearing up for Augusta is crazy nervy and it's a ton of pressure and it's this event you want to win so bad, but to have that added pressure every year and to to go into pressers on Monday and Tuesday and just have conversations all week about is this year you get the green jacket? It could be it's, a Hideki thing though too. It's like Hideki came in this as a complete sleeper. No one ever yeah. thought of him. The next thing you know, people started realizing, like, oh shit, this dude just became a huge favorite to win this right. after coming out and obliterating a soft conditions on right. a Saturday. Something that Rory could completely do. Absolutely. So like if you know, you know, if two more years go by and Rory is playing pretty much obsolete golf, he comes into the Augusta maybe like the 20th favorite yeah and all of a sudden he's just kind of lingering around t15 and then on saturday he goes out and shoots a 63 yeah he's got a five shot lead in sunday it's like holy shit roy's got to play Roy's average golf to win this yeah. thing like that could easily happen and, and the reason i say that is because rory doesn't play bad golf at augusta yeah he doesn't yeah like, uh, n- most of the time he's plays generally relatively well exactly yeah so look it's not a good look, but I think there's tons of reasons why he got the result he did this week. So, For sure. um, I think everything indicates toward him trending in the right direction. I just am wondering where this transition period is in terms of kind of its progression line. Is he still kind of going down to come back up or is he just trending up now? It's, yeah. it's hard to say specifically, but For sure. Um, one with him, it, it <clears throat> excuse me, it literally could just be one swing mechanic change. And now he's back to Rory who was just, hammering out top fives right before COVID. Like that's entirely possible that he sorts one thing out and he's back to being and that's what Dave one of was saying for months with Speeth. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. you just find one thing and it clicks up Rory has all the greatness that Speeth has in him. Yeah. Like they both have that same, you know, eighth gear, whatever yeah. you would want to call it. And Rory just has been in this spot, you know, especially after COVID where it's like he just hasn't been in the right spot to for do sure. those things again. I mean, think about when he won the Canadian Open. Like, that was some of the most insane golf I had ever seen. Yeah. Like, he just, he was just he, going on streak after streak he after won streak. the players that year, too. Yeah. yeah. But that was when he blew up the field by, like, 11 strokes. Yeah. yeah. Like, just fucking wild stuff. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I, I think he's, I to answer your question in a long-tailed form, Dave, yeah, I think he's going to win another green. I think he'll win in a green jacket. So, I'm curious, do you think the answer is no? Or were you just posing the question? I was posing the question. Sure. Uh, I I definitely think it's po- definitely a possibility that he does it. Um, I I honestly don't know if he will. I don't think any of us do. Sure. I, I hope he does. You know, I'm a fan of Rory. It would be cool for his career and his legacy in the game if he did end up getting a career Grand Slam. I, I, I think that would obviously be cool. Um, but, I mean, you said from the start, like, just not this year. Yeah, I didn't think he was going to do it this year. No, but you um, didn't want that either. <laughs> no, I, I didn't want it. I wanted Rom to win this year or Spieth. Those were the two guys that I really wanted to win. Um, and they both played well. They both played really well. 
Um, but I mean, I mean, firstly, just come on with. I, let me just say a little bit about Rom. He was completely irrelevant for the first three rounds, and then he comes and he just he, no. he pulls a complete Tony Finau. Yeah, Thursday he, he was totally it. in the mix still. Yeah, even yeah, yeah. Like, everybody, is, but everybody except for Rose, the closest was three under. I get that, but like saying that, like you had fucking like fourteen people to go through before you found Rom's name. To say that he was on the forefront of the like of people's he minds. He was entirely but in if contention. He, if for he that comes tournament. out and shoots around, in the he same shot way, Sunday in the same Friday. way that in the same way that half of the field is in contention before anyone tees off. Like, come on, like legitimately, if he has the round he has on Sunday on Friday, it completely changes. the Then why didn't he say he was in contention for this tournament? I'm not saying he obviously wasn't. I'm just saying if in there's a universe where he shoots that round on Friday, like, and he's right there, but he didn't. I, I get that. <laughs> it's a completely different thing. Yeah. No, I'm not saying that he wasn't contention or he had right no there. pressure was, going into Sunday being yeah. nowhere near the lead. And then he sneaks into a top a five by shooting door a top five a, by playing great a dope 66. Yeah. But like to me, like it's, it's the same shit that people chastise Tony Finau for doing who also d- backdoored into it. Well, not backdoored because he shot even par, but got T10. Again, Just that's silently. the safest bet in the world. That's better than putting your money in the market. Just, Pick Finau top 10 every week. You're going to get good returns. He missed the cut right before the Masters at Valero with like the weakest field. <laughs> Sometimes the market gets volatile. It happens. But you were just saying it's better than the market. I'm saying it is, over time, you're giving me one week. Um, but, you know, I to, to me, I'm I'm fading Rom harder than ever at this point. Wow. Yeah, I mean, you're, you've kind of been on the yeah, when you're uh, also- opposite of Rom train for a while now, so... I mean, one, I need the friction to you. Like, this can't be say, a complete love fest for This for might Rom. be your Spieth and my Tiger. It's feeling like it's shifting that way. But I'm all I'm saying is that people are going to take this as more, further reinforcement that Rom is this dude. And it's just like, if he was the dude, we would have been caring about him. He would have been on the broadcast for the first three days of this well, tournament. We're also talking about one tournament. Like, I mean... The guy's statistics speak for themselves. Like, he is a fucking baller. I still think he is going to be the world number one again at some point. And I I think he's going to have a bunch of majors as well. Like, my, my opinion and my stance on the guy after this week has not changed at all. Yeah. Do you... Do you feel the same about him, or do you feel like he's got an even better chance of being even greater after this week? I mean, you could look at it both ways. He did that, get that a top wasn't the five. Question, though, it's like, what do you feel? I think it's pretty obvious. I think that I, I, he'll probably be my favorite at next year's Masters. Yeah. Overspeed, who performed better than him this week. I understand and is that. Historically, week, the best. Five days after he had a kid. So, because he had a kid, he didn't beat Jordan this week. Yes, I mean, I'm not going to blame <laughs> it on that. I mean, I'm sure it played into pay. Uh, like he's, it, it didn't help him. You you think he it was totally focused training right beforehand, getting geared up. But there you're, was you're no distraction. You're definitively whatsoever. saying that the kid didn't help him. Yes, I'm not saying. I'm not saying. So the worst way he could have kid. done is T5. Because I remember, I feel like we, at least sure. I was saying before on our pre-masters podcast that it could potentially help him. Because I remember saying I had just gotten rosy. He's got this newfound perspective, man. Yeah, right. that's what peop- the joke people keep saying. But uh, And maybe the Golf Channel being very serious about it at the same time. Which is so bizarre. I know. <laughs> but, no, 
with it, all this ROM talk being said, my opinion hasn't changed. Like I said, I think he's going to be one of the favorites going into the Masters. Of course, all, Spieth will always be a favorite. Do I think he'll have a better percentage or a better chance than Spieth? I don't know. We'll see where their games are at next year. Yeah. But, uh, you know, as of right now. Since when has Spieth's game ever mattered at the Augusta, though? Like, how his, his form is? I mean, if he's if he's playing like he is now, maybe he, I'd have him above Rom. I don't know. I'm just saying it's a year from now. That's a Seems lot like of we don't golf to, to be played. That. You know, it it is what it is. We can wait a while before we do the 2022 Masters pre-pod. Yeah. Did you all want to talk DJ? Uh, yeah, DJ, Kepka, and I also can't lay miss the cut, too. I, I mean... I think we could t- spend five seconds saying that we all probably could have guessed Kepko was going to miss the cut at the Masters. Yeah, I mean, I can't believe he even played. The guy couldn't bend down to read a green and properly. It was a like, publicity stunt. He, he, continue, he, he continues to be love. just annoying as hell. Yeah, I, I like him less after this weekend. It's just another it – just, it's just – it's catty corner to the, the body issue stuff with yeah. Sports Illustrated – it's catty corner to just his other weird social media stuff that he does. It's catty corner to his weird stuff that he talks about with like DJ and the Ryder Cup and how they're not really friends and like his workout stuff. And he's just genu- generally just kind of a strange guy that makes weird kind of public statements about things. And it's very look at listen. me. Pay attention to me. Brooks is in my wolf pack at the moment currently. And that was a weird qualifying. Well, well no, it. I, it's not qualifying anything. I'm, I'm leading into a. a, a a statement here um his actions within the last year are making me like him less and less but the reason that he is in my wolf pack is i love watching him play golf when he is playing well he's one of my favorite people to watch when he's playing well and it yeah he has cringeworthy moments i don't really lean into the like body issue stuff as much as you and it doesn't affect the way i think about him as much as you it doesn't it's not the it's not doing the body issue it's the fact that he clearly endangered his game going into like the players by losing what 35 pounds of weight and saying he felt sick yeah and just prioritized a sports illustrated issue for just like clearly vanity reasons right and and, like people's perception of him like it it that's the thing. It's not like the fact that he got nude in a magazine. I couldn't care yeah. less about that. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, I don't really know what to say about Brooks besides he probably shouldn't have played in the tournament this week. Do you he think had surgery literally the, the month prior on his knee. It doesn't seem like you should be playing and walking multiple days on the golf course, on a very hilly golf course. Um it just seems like a, not a good idea when you're trying to recover from an injury and pro like. I wonder, yeah, keep your career you going. Two months do you think, now, well, but... do you think he was trying to just basically catapult himself further and try to pull like a tiger at Tory Pines thing? Like he wanted yes. to be like, Maybe I want people to talk to me about me like that. He obviously has an unrealistic expectation or an unrealistic perception of himself. Yeah, yeah. like. He's like, I wouldn't be playing if I didn't think I could win this week. Like, yeah. I mean, like, that's, no. that's a walk. line. That's a I, line that everyone says. Hey, perfectly, but, dude. I believe you too when you say that. I'm not saying that. Like, but look, yeah. like, but you obviously didn't have a chance to win or even make the cut for that matter. Yeah, I mean, I think that's all that really needs to be said about it. Like, uh-huh. Brooks went in with without being healthy, 
And if he was healthy, Brooks very well could have won. Like, Brooks, you're, and there's no fucking way that you'll ever hear this, but you're an incredibly good golfer. You know that. I know that. Everybody fucking knows that. You could easily, not easily, but you could win the Masters. Yeah. I mean, to you, you probably would be easy. You think, like, 10 people are the ones that can beat you. So, yeah. Except for more than half the field beat you this week. Yeah. Um, the, the big thing being is that, like, you shouldn't have played this week, man. Right. Like you have nothing to gain from this. Like you, you had like really high, unrealistic expectations of what was going to happen. And it's easy to say hindsight's twenty twenty, but dude, you couldn't even bend down to yeah, read putts to read properly. Putt. Yeah. Yeah, it was bizarre. Yeah, I mean, he should have just not. Should have just stayed home and iced his knee. Yeah, and then I mean, we can we can segue that into his. You know, old best friend, Dustin Johnson. Um, yeah, I think a lot of people were, were startled that he didn't, he didn't at least the very least make the cut. Yeah, not, I mean, a lot of people are, I don't, I mean, I like to say a lot of people, but I heard people saying like, oh, not a very good look with DJ winning last year and not even making the cut in April. But the thing is like, he has finished well in April at the, at the Masters. Yeah, he's gotten many times. So I don't put any merit in that. It's just it was it was alarming to see. Like, I mean, look, he hasn't been trending these, that well yeah, though recently. Yeah. I mean, T. All right, here we go. WGC Workday Championship, the concession T fifty four, a limited field. It's pretty much like almost last. Yeah. Um, the Players Championship T forty eight. So basically, toward the bottom of the people that make the cut. Yeah. WGC uh, match play T twenty eight. He didn't get out of group didn't stage. Group. So like, and then miscut the Masters. Like he's just. He kinda, goes through he, swings he, like these. Yeah, he's, he he goes down dips, and his dips are usually hanging around the top ten in the world. He missed two cuts last year, right before he went and ended Rattled up winning off. like three, two or three and in a he, row. Like he crazy. also had that like thirty under par tournament where yeah. he like blew the field out. Yeah, and that but, was literally after shooting an eighty. Yeah. on Friday the week I before. Mean, DJ, he's the number one in the world. He literally has one of the highest skill ceilings in the game. He'll be just fine. Uh, it was just wild to see that. Like, I definitely wasn't expecting. It. I didn't expect him to win the, the tournament, but I was expecting, you know, a top twenty or a. Top Dude, I'm 10 looking at his him. OWGR right now. I didn't realize he went back to back at the Saudi event. Like, yeah, he dominated yeah, Saudi. Actually, yeah, he what? made like a trillion dollars. <laughs> I don't like this. Yeah. <laughs> but, so, could you? Definitely said several times this weekend that this validated for you that there's a massive asterisk on the November uh, Augusta now. No, whenever we talk about maybe for I just think, like I think statistical you're, I, yeah, things. Yeah, I think you're misinterpreting like, what I'm like, saying. Like with the Cameron Smith thing, like shooting in the 60s each round. Yeah, we just had DJ scoring record. We had friends in town that were basically regurgitating like record stats from last year's Augusta last year last year's event in November at Augusta that yeah. was like a bunch of scoring records were broken it's just like there's a reason that's happening I mean it should just be like this was the November scoring record it shouldn't be the Augusta scoring record in right. my opinion like yeah. it should be whatever the scoring record is for November like or whenever we, you guys we, show those again just like show that one and then just show the next best one and we know which one we actually care about or just yeah <laughs> yeah I, tiger it, it it, it's it's a weird situation that covid you know un, just like the entire world has affect it, it affected golf and we were lucky to get a masters yeah, yeah. at like, no point do i not want that asterisk masters that, right. that was a fun watch i enjoyed it my boy sungjae got second i mean yeah. come on now like, yeah. yeah i think we I all enjoyed time. it yeah. but uh yeah i mean it's definitely not 
the scoring record at Augusta. It's the scoring record in November during the Masters, and that's really how you have to phrase that. Yeah. Right. I will have to say, since I did just bring it up, uh, Sung Jae got T-second in the Masters in November, and I picked him to win this 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 year um, at the Masters, and he did he did shoot an 80 on uh, on on Friday. I hate to see it. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, well, he. And he was scrambling his ass off here's, in November, and it's here's played the, quite a bit different. Yeah, here's so. the three people that he beat in the field: Larry Mize, Tyler Strafacci, who was the amateur, and VJ Singh. Those are the Yikes. only players he played better than. He tied Freddie Couples yeah. in terms of people he played than. I'm actually concerned about him possibly not being healthy right now. Really, I need to go speak with this camp and yeah. kind of get some more intel because. I worry about the boys in my wolf pack, and he, he might be a sick dog. He probably just needs to eat, like, some bamboo or something, and he'll be just fine. Is that a panda joke? He needs, yeah. he needs his <laughs> chips ahoy. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we're monitoring the situation. We're going to see if we need to bring him to a specialist to check out any possible ailments that he's being. Maybe take him to the proper veterinarian and... What did what are your thoughts on Cantlay? That was surprising to me. I definitely wasn't expecting a miscut out of him. You rarely see him miscuts in right. general. Um, it, it I mean, it, it was mostly it was Thursday. It was yeah. hard, like, and he shot a seventy nine Thursday, and then he shot one over on Friday, and that just wasn't just not going to cut it. It wasn't good enough, and he, he I don't know if he got caught by surprise on Thursday because he's one of those players that if you got firm and fast conditions, you're like, yeah, Cantlay's going to be able to thrive. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. he's just, you know, he he's a he's a good player. Um, so I I can't look, yeah, I just don't I don't really have words for it. I'm just kind of surprised. Yeah. Um and this happens though. It, yeah. It, yeah, I mean you mi- people miss cuts. Like it happens. Yeah. And you have a bad day or a bad a bad tournament. It it happens. I just I know that he was people people were betting on him. He was one of the favorites coming into the tournament with how he's finished in the past year and uh yeah, it was another surprising thing to see. Yeah. Um yeah. if you want we can go to leash you were wanting to bring him up or you wanted yeah i i want leash to win a masters because i want because i i'm worried because leash doesn't play that good of golf all the time but he plays really good golf at the masters and i love watching leashman play at the masters yeah so i need him to win at the masters so that he's always at the masters yeah yeah because for for me because he doesn't play a ton of good golf all the time and he struggles either if it's the travel or the the different venues that don't suit his game and he really wants like hard challenging courses that like require a lot more kind of mental kind of you know preparation and you know playing the ground game to an extent and being able to like work with these different slopes and just be more challenged mentally on a course and like those are the kinds of players i want to see on tour more yeah and 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 play more events and i'm Leishman is bumping up in the people that I'm rooting for at the Masters more so than normal because I fucking want to see him in Augusta every goddamn year because yeah. he is always doing something extremely interesting whenever yeah. I, whenever they cut to him on the broadcast. Um, he just continues to hit really really inspiring shots out there. Yeah. That's yeah. all I really have to say about it. I'm just yeah. I'm stoked for him. I'm glad that that pushes him back up in a lot of the rankings and it earns him. Well, he'll, he'll be and, here. He'll be there next year because the top twelve yep. get exemptions yep. Yep. into the yep. following year. So. Maybe next year will be his year yeah. if Rom or Spieth doesn't do it. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, at this point, like, we'll give him one more year to solidify it, but, like, Will Zalatoris might be a mainstay there. Who knows? I mean, yeah. he's off to I'll, the Spieth start right that, now. That being said, first, like, I thought the same thing about Sung Jae. Yeah. It was yeah. his first showing. He also got a runner-up finish. Yeah. 
And but obviously, this again, is the more this November. is the more yeah this is the more real Augusta conditioning. Yeah, and it was like especially on Thursday, it was a harder. Thursday Augusta- was we didn't even talk about that. Thursday was fucking sick. That That's was the coolest was Masters conditions that I've probably seen the last. They I mean five obviously years. they got rain on Saturday, but I wish they would have kept it like that the whole week. Do you think it's possible? Because I think every year it, in it, April it, it, it rains it, there. Like they if they they'd have to get so fortunate with the weather that, to keep they, it that do way all week. They want to that course. Thursday. They have sub airs. Yeah. They have the maintenance crew to do a lot there. Like they in my like. I mean, the NLE, NLU guys were talking about this, but those fairways were not rolling out. Like, yeah. they could have made those fairways firm and fast, too, and it would have played a lot harder as well. And I would have been it would all have brought for more that. Of the field, it would have brought more field, more of the field into play, too. Yeah, It would just – I loved it. I thought it was awesome. But it would be kind of crazy to see a Masters winner at two or three under par. I don't care about for that the weekend. at all. I, I I like just seeing the course play hard. Like I thoroughly enjoyed Thursday, and I think I would have liked it even more that, if the fairways were running. Fast. That all yeah. being said, Thursday was Thursday because they knew they were going to get rain. Rain, yeah. And I think they wanted to make up for fucking they November. Wanted, yeah, they, they wanted, wanted to be to, like, listen, this this motherfucker can play this hard. This is not a twenty you know, twenty under is, course. This course can still fucking make the best players in the world have trouble. Like, yeah, they didn't like the fact that uh, November played easy and they came out firing yeah and yeah they were expecting rain but it wasn't like crazy like it rained less than expected I, it was I straight up downpouring on on saturday yeah yeah and at that point it was green lights for everyone who could still like yeah that what uh, about the uh, uh, how much of the field had finished when the rain a, a considerable amount. yeah so the people still out there got a bit of a a break yeah yeah but i mean it was all the people that were already the most in contention though. yeah 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 there was a separation and I mean, to Rom's credit, he was already done by that point. Yeah. When that rain delay, or he was damn near finished. almost done. Yeah. And I then think. he came out and he, he made his hay on Sunday when not as many people were, you know, putting up low numbers. Yeah. I mean, as far as the people that were in the top ten, he had the lowest score. Yeah. The only other person that was in the sixties that were in the top ten was Patrick Reed, who we can speak about a little bit. Who is fuck? Is he going to be around for a long time? Yeah. yeah. Like, god damn it. He's and really he's good. Got a fucking win there, so he's gonna be there every single every year. year. And he also is one of those guys that has like a swing where he could be playing that same type of golf into his forties. He's you know? sneaky young too. But yeah, yeah. I, I don't. Is you know he's just a short game wizard, yeah. and Augusta people that win there, not necessarily Hideki, but a lot of times have you know a really good short game right um so yeah he's gonna be a threat at augusta for a while and i don't like it yeah <laughs> yeah i i mean i think he'll probably win another one at some point yeah that would i mean that would be an interesting bet is like who gets another green jacket first spieth or patrick reed because i was gonna they were say like the old, they were the old Ryder cup partners and they both have one green jacket they're both kind of playing consistently well there mm-hmm. they both both kind of fake like each other and both clearly like don't like don't, each yeah. other um so that'd be an interesting little like long-term futures bet that someone could possibly put together because obviously speaks would be the favorite in that but patrick reed lights upset a yeah. lot of people yeah. know, like upset odds so yeah he'll rain on people's parade but you know it would be a shame not to mention Stuart sink coming in and getting a t uh t12 i think he won last year um 
Yeah, Stuart Sink won oh, last on year. Tour. on tour. I was like, what? Like, I thought you were talking about a guest. So I was like, we literally were Yeah, it's been DJs. five minutes. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. Uh, Stuart Sink, I don't really care about. I mean, I, most people don't, but I think it's at least noteworthy to point All out that I he got about... T12th at the Masters <laughs> no. being 47 years old. Yeah, no. I mean, respect. Yeah. All I think about, though, when I think about Stuart Sink is, is his hat tan. I mean that's that's true. I mean it's a it's a pretty phenomenal hat tan. Like, you know, it, it it is what it is, dude. Like, um, should we talk a little bit about Billy Ho and his slip and fall, or him slamming his club into the bag repeatedly, or any of that? Do we want to? That was just that? a weird move. Like yeah. of all the aggro moves I've seen on the golf course in my life, that was just a weird one. I feel like Billy Ho hasn't been no- navigating the pandemic very well. I think this is starting to wear him down. Yeah. I mean, he literally just won match play. You'd think he would be all smooth sailing. Like, e- even I get you're frustrated, but, like, man, you just You know what it is probably was? I think he d- realized how many people weren't happy about him winning the match play. Yeah. He's like, people don't like me? <laughs> <laughs> and I, I try so hard to be so friendly and talk about the course. Like, dude. That's kind of what people don't like. Yeah. Also, I really didn't like that he was like in the the featured group so much this week. Like he just won. I mean, yeah, that's yeah like, but they that's not how like you shouldn't be like it shouldn't be like oh you just won you're in a featured group. I all mean, of I'm a not sudden. gonna complain about them doing that for Max. No. Yeah, but Max Home has been like even before he just recently won like because of his social media presence and stuff he was already like kind of being shown quite a bit you know and people like him like you don't hear people going like what where's they, billy ho you i know? get it but they just it, it, this always happens they yeah. always put recent winners, winners. into yeah. into featured groups yeah i'm not on board on that 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 train of thought process dave I mean, isn't the train of thought that he's trending and you want guys that are trending to be in the featured group because you think they're i think you want chance. people who people want to watch in the featured groups yeah. like that would i mean you can't let your perspective kind of paint with like a broad brush though about who people do it. i mean i'm not advocating for billy ho as someone that a bunch of people well no you can take for, but like you can take the popular players from on tour that are playing in the tournaments and put them in featured groups like me being a rick guy like how often was rick still in featured groups when he was not playing well like Sure. It's because he's a popular player. Yeah, like, and I think we sense. need to kind of reevaluate like where we're making our decision making for feature groups too. Though, like, do I want to watch some people that are popular play golf? Yeah. Do I want to watch someone play bad golf? Not really. Like, well, if they're playing that bad, they're gonna fucking miss the cut. Like, and they're that's generally still a lot of my Thursday and Friday when they have precious feature groups that I have to spend watching someone playing bad golf. That well, has I, it's for the, the tournament. same thing with Billy Horschel. I don't give a fuck about at him least the, whole the time. recent win means recent good form though. Doesn't mean he's going to play well that week, though. It's a stronger it's indication, indication of him going to play well versus someone who's been historically playing bad recently. So, like, I I'm not advocating that they don't make more credence or they put more weight toward people that historically played well at the Masters that people would want to watch more. But I also get that people have different tastes and players than me. Like, I I'm sure a bunch of people like watching Ian Poulter play, but like that's not me. Yeah, I'll, I I don't remember what the future groups were for Thursday and Friday, but I remember I was just like, man, like this is kind of like not the people I want to be watching right now. Yeah, yeah, I feel you, Dave. Someone that you brought up pre-tournament, um, Brian Harmon. Yes, he got himself a T twelve, dude. I thought long and hard about bet- putting money on him too this week, but I didn't. Um, 
weird way though how he did it he pl- he played well in the hardest conditions he shot 69 69 74 he, 74 yeah we don't need to jump into fantasy but he is a guy that i thought about adding to my fantasy team a while ago and i you know i think he still is a viable option for anyone but it's also a guy that i think could easily fall off and do you nothing for your team all of a sudden. he would have been a great pickup for this week obviously in the sense that like he played well right like hindsight yeah him being a lefty a little bit too but i figured because of augusta being augusta that it's too long they're yeah. gonna mow, like they did mow the fairways into the into towards the, uh, the toward the tees and he can't get his ball to run out but yeah. he played well in the harder conditions when people were fading right and then the moment the course started playing soft and people were starting to fire low he started playing badly and he plays well at us opens brian Harmon is so good in hard ass conditions man yeah. which kind of I don't really like the guy all that much, but at least I respect the hell out of that. Yeah. Like, I followed him around at the match play, you know, I think it was a couple of years ago. Um, and he just was constantly complaining about people, like, moving. Or, yeah. Or, and he was even doing it on the broadcast, too, when he was in contention to win. I think it was – God, I can't remember where it was. But – there's a couple of things that kind of turn me off about him, but I at least respect that fucking scorecard of like the first two days at the hardest conditions. He shot two, three unders yeah. and then ended up shooting, you know, two, two overs two or, overs. um, you know, coming in. So, you know, he would have been a great pickup before the masters because of this week, obviously. Then also next week at Harbor town, I'm assuming he's playing there because that sort of course plays well to someone who plays like him. Mm-hmm. Um, I could probably look at the field, but, um, that seems like a good venue for him. So, you know, if anyone in the fantasy is listening, like, and you're looking for a guy to pick up, Brian Harmon might be the right guy. I'm listening. <laughs> uh, but you know, maybe that's me. I'm, I have been taking a flyer on Carlos Ortiz. Speaking of people who missed the cut, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was rough. And I mean, Dave's going to say like, I told you so. Um, but I might, I might stick out Carlos Ortiz a little bit longer. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of where I am with Kisner right now. I know Kisner's going to come around. He also he's, plays well at Harbortown. He's a yeah. top 20 machine. He, he, is. Won at he, hasn't, he hasn't been this year, though. Yeah. Um, but I got faith in Kiz. I'm going to ride him out for a while longer until he just becomes a detriment to my team. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we don't need to go into fantasy right now. If you had to guess who played the same level of performance as Justin Thomas at the Masters after his T4 finish or solo fourth finish in November. Um, what sort of players do you think would be performing alongside him? Is it like the John Ron? I don't necessarily like this, know what your question is. I'm, I'm trying to ask, like, who's, who's the kind of players at Augusta this spring that you were kind of thinking Justin Thomas was going to play along the same level of? Like, if, if you're like, Justin Thomas is going to play, like, he was going to play, like, a top, you know, in the top third. Well, gonna, Ryan thought gonna, he was going to win. Yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, like, to you, like, were you thinking he's going to be, like, a top 10, top I, 20? I put money on him to win. Y- yeah, so, like, we thought he was going to play really well, which, you know, unfortunately. Yeah. He, he was played, in the mix for a yeah. while. A while. I really, when we got onto the tee box on Saturday, I was like, today's the day that JT is just going to light it up. He usually just sticks around Thursday and Friday, and Saturday just lights it up. And I, I really thought that's what was going to happen. Yeah, I mean, he. the thing is, is that he pretty much just played really well on Friday. Um, he he shot one over on Thursday, which is at least making up strokes on the field. Yeah. Um, and then he shot you know, 67 on Friday, which is what drove him far up leaderboard. And then he shot three over and then one over. And he ended up coming out just 
finishing, I think, even for the tournament. And the reason I asked this question is that did anyone expect Phil Mickelson and Justin Thomas to shoot the same fucking score at Augusta this season? No. Because I you, fucking didn't. No. I mean, you can't, can't really count Phil out at Augusta. Like, he still has the distance needed. Yeah, he hits it all over the place, but he's, he's always hit it all over the place. Yeah. He's a lefty. I mean, I don't know if either of you have ever seen that video of Bubba that's reversed, and it shows what Augusta looks as a left-hander. But it is alarming. It's enticing. I haven't seen it, but it makes yeah, yeah, sense. Yeah, look right, it up on yeah, YouTube. Yeah, as a, so a right hander, it, yeah, and yeah, it, it has flip everything. Yeah, and, and it, like, oh my god, a bunch of perfectly fading holes. Yeah, like yeah. it just you suits your eye. Yeah, if you're yeah, if you're someone who plays a fade and you watch that, you're just like it almost becomes aggravating. Yeah, like how it's like not, oh, and we're turning how, again. How, how gettable it looks. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Which makes sense from the perspective that most guys are not left-handed and they, it looks very I mean there's just some intimidating criti- there's some yeah. critical holes out there that are really difficult for most right-handers like 12 that yeah. is a huge number for a lot of right. people if you're a lefty that hole just is a chill a little walk. buttercut yeah yeah so um well I not, mean, uh, it's Phil, not it's not it's Phil's not another guy like uh, he is really really good short game yeah you know? yeah so uh, n- no did I think that Phil was going to be playing the same game as JT this week and shooting a similar score. No, I didn't think that, but it also doesn't surprise me. Like yeah. I, I, you could tell me that Phil top tens, you know, at Augusta and it wouldn't surprise me, you know, right. like he's has three green jackets. Like the guy knows how to play the course. He's hit some of the most amazing shots on that course. Um, has his form been good here? no, do I think his form is going to be good next year? No, but d- can he come to Augusta next year and get a top ten? Probably. Yeah. You know, I'll put money on it right now. If you won't, like I, I get the whole can. Just like not I, we, surprised. We, we would come it. back to the whole thing that golf's on this razor's edge, and anyone could win at any time. But like, if I had to put my house on it, like it's not fucking Phil getting a top ten for Masters. sure. I don't think that's what he was saying either. But like, the, to me. I'm more trying to make this a point of basically kind of flabbergasted by JT's performance. Like the idea here is that he was trending up the entire time, you know, performing. And now it's come back to this thing where it's like, well, is November indicative of him being someone who traditionally thrives in soft conditions. And that's like what he needed to get where he was. But then you look at the evidence, you're like, well, actually the soft conditions was when he played his worst golf at Augusta. Did he, did he get, I don't know where he was at during the rain delay, how much he got to come out and I throw mean, after his sixty seven, he was one he he was one of those late groups. Yeah. Hmm. So to yeah. to me it was it, I don't know what happened. I'd be curious to see if that was expanded on anywhere in some editorial, but yeah. I'm a little confounded by it because, you know, no in my question. head, you know, I was thinking, okay, JT's game is well suited for Augusta. He seems like he should be able to get around it, and all of his form is pointing to harm, toward him trending into the right directions to play well there. Yeah, and then, you know, I start seeing him be, you know, play a really good round on Freiburg. Okay, dude, he could be in the mix. He could do this. I was seeing him in the exact same light as speed. Like they can claw this thing back from Justin Rose. Oh, for sure. And then Saturday happens, and yeah. I, I just, I'm just very surprised by it. Do we want to talk a a, a little bit about Bryson? No. Not me personally. 
I mean, he has not played well there. No, he like hasn't. He'd... And, uh, you know, going into the Masters in November and then even this week again, and people were still, you know, saying, like, he, he could easily do well here. And, you know, it suits his game with being as long as he is. But for some reason, he just can't crack the code for Augusta. He looks uncomfortable out there. He does. And I, obviously getting off the tees is what got him in trouble. But I just don't get, like, he can use his – length to an advantage he could be hitting driving iron when guys are hitting driver like yeah. he, he he's using he's wanting to use his driver and take that advantage but you could be hitting literally every single fairway with a driving iron or a three wood and have that length advantage still so i what i've always said about bryson at augusta and i think it's really holds true is that he does not putt well there and I think the the crutch of not being able to use a greens book, I think, is well. That was always this year f- only. I thought you can never use one at Augusta. I, it can, wasn't that implemented this year. They had them and then took them no, away. No, they haven't had greens books. No, I don't think you're allowed my, to use them out there. Yeah, and I just think that that's such a part of his scientific formula that he just feels like he's playing a completely different game. And maybe that's me way over reading into it. No, I I just think. Augusta requires a certain level of artistry and creativity that I think he just doesn't really approach the game with. He's and that's a really easy it it's a really game. easy cop out and to say that because I have all this abstraction I can hide in with that argument. But at the end of the day, Bryson also came into this tournament in November with his newfound distance saying it's a par sixty seven. And guess what, Bryson? You finished T thirty fourth and then T forty sixth. And I've given you benefit of the doubt two years now, thinking that you might be able to overpower this golf course to a degree. And guess what? It's biting you in the ass. Well, and he also, he keeps trying to, last year it was the 48-inch driver. This year it was the four-and-a-half-degree driver. He keeps trying to do weird, and I know he didn't actually play the 48-inch last year. He went down to 47-and-a-half. But he keeps trying to throw these weird wrenches into his game at Augusta. Where it's like this course is already challenging enough. Maybe don't start playing a completely different yeah, it club. Yeah, it might be like he's like taking a like a certain strategy at every hole, and like other tournaments, he he just kind of plays his game. Pizza, yeah. And in at this course in particular, he's trying to dissect. He's trying it and to play, crack the puzzle. Uh, yeah, and play the play each hole as perfect as he can and then he's stressing so hard about each shot as opposed to just going out there and playing the game that has won him these tournaments and won him the right. US Open I just think stuff. he's Phil like he he does quirky shit because he thinks it's it's his brand like in the same way that Phil put two drivers in the bag at Augusta That's he, right. he comes up with some just gimmick that he wants to kind of push around as like marketing about well, how I'm this scientific to- genius and I you know I'm finding ways to revolutionize the game and he says all sorts of crazy shit about how he's going to be made obsolete by over seven footers coming into golf and basically bullying the game. And guess what, Bryson? Will Zalatoris just showed us again, yet again, that like giant power isn't exactly the way that you, you know, take over a golf tournament. Well, and I, I mean, really, if you're looking at the tour as a whole, I mean, Bryson, DJ, and Brooks are kind of the like. Rory is not a big dude. JT is not a big dude. Like Spieth is not a big dude. It's a, that's just such a weird take that like all of a sudden NBA centers are the future of golf. I think that's crazy. Yeah. I mean, I think kid, you know, has a point there. He likes, he says things and he likes to get fucking clipped and, you know, get his social media buzz in. And yeah, it, 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 
it doesn't change my opinion where he has done a lot of interesting things and cool things for the game. Um, but, you know, he does take it a good a degree too far, you know, sometimes. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it was just I figured it should be mentioned. I'm like all what, for him experimenting. I just don't like when someone just clearly just uses I mean, it a, as, like, propaganda. You kind of throw him and Brooks in the same room yeah you, know, I, you don't I like how do. they you know you don't like how they go about their they do it for the brand or interviews i really and, don't like how he conducts himself on course too yeah. yeah i mean the dude is walking the fine line of cheating quite often and is completely disrespectful to tons of rules officials and destroys courses so i think there's plenty of reason on and off the course to sure. kind of have some disdain toward not disdain but general Fair. animosity toward. yeah um, is there any anything else uh, you you want to bring up uh, before we wrap, or wrap put up a bow Augusta. on put a bow on the, this year's Masters and go um, into the the Ranger Cup a bit? We didn't really talk broadcast too much. I mean, we spoke about how feature groups were kind of whack a little bit, and I would, I would tend to agree. I, I think if you're gonna make Augusta go above and beyond, I I, I just don't get how broadcasts don't start sooner. Like how how is how it's is the two o'clock central time like, till we get to watch and then sunday it was one and, o'clock and then generally just i think the having the my groups thing and all that stuff on the master app is amazing yeah it but is. what it, what it's doing for me is just highlighting just how much the broadcast is missing right and not because that like there's just too much to golf the cover it's just so how how inefficient they are with their usage of how they produce the golf and i'm not going to pretend to know how difficult something like that is but I'm just using it as a barometer against the other golf that I see throughout the, the year. Yeah. And we just didn't, didn't get to see much of it. And it was difficult to follow to a degree. And, you know, the last hour or two hours of the Masters was, you know, obviously easy to follow because the storylines were all there. And it was coherent. But I think this was a pretty straightforward Masters in terms of the progression of the tournament. When you look at it through the, the scoring and what you saw in the Masters, Masters app. And it felt like there was a through line that I could see retroactively that... I think if your job as a producer is to find that as it's unfolding, it wasn't that difficult to, me, to spot. To me, it's annoying when they, especially on Sunday, when they show people that are irrelevant in the tournament. Like, it it, it really irritates the hell out of me. It's like, dude, this guy is 10 back right now. Like, we don't need to be seeing this shot. I'm sure someone up in contention is hitting a shot yeah. somewhere. Like. Yeah, it's tough. And I, I mean, that's just in general. Again, that's going back to like, we know people want to see the big names regardless of where they're at in contention. And yeah, but you have they just don't give do their viewers enough a, credit. I know that I'm kind of going back on my whole feature group thing kind of with this statement. But like there's time for that Thursday through Saturday, like sure. when it's Sunday and it's coming down to the stretch, you know, the back nine or whatever you want to say. And you're showing a guy that's ten strokes behind. Like, let's, yeah, let's not do that. And, and, don't need to and do I that. get this is a difficult nuance to kind of walk because you know I usually err on the side of just show me as many golf shots as possible. But when Hideki is kind of like wobbling, like don't just stray away from him. Like show me him kind of like him dealing with this through moment. This round, yeah. Him speaking. I get you, you can't really yeah, get him the, speaking yeah. with this caddy, but in the sense that like they're making decisions, they're plotting things out, like. Give me like some of his body language. Let me see how he's got, like he. 
as much as he's a quiet, timid, and just kind of reserved person, you can see him kind of his gears turning on the For course. Sure. Well, and he has a lot of very anxious looks when they did show that on Sunday. Whereas, like, there was a lot to and, see there and a lot to gather from. Give it. me insight into Xander's mind because I would have eaten that like fucking whatever. For it, sure, a, a cat with catnip. I like, do. Uh, I do have like a a good thing to say or something I did like was. They incorporated some really good drone shots into the, yeah. the feed, which yeah. I really enjoyed those, you know, with the drone behind the trees and yeah. getting to see the green from a different perspective. I mean, you see some of those and you do. like in my head, I'm like, are they doing dolly tracks through trees? Right. Like, it like looked that yeah. good. Well, it is crazy, though. I, I noticed it a few times. I feel like the players are still distracted by the drones. Like I, there's a couple times where you see guys like look up and back yeah. off and it's like, whatever. I wonder if Get that's. Yeah. You're you're, you're an entertainer, athlete. and yeah. this is a product package for yeah. people to be engaged with. That all being said, I still think we're kind of focusing in the wrong directions with production. Like you, you're thinking of expensive kind of equipment, and the drones are a good thing. But at the same time, I would like you guys to be going to venues early, working with Augusta to find creative angles to yeah. better accentuate the undulation. They the did changes. use some different angles this year, and there was a couple of good yeah. examples of that sort of thing. But the big, if everyone comes to you that's been to augusta and they tell you the same infuriating thing that you just can't understand how hilly it is well then fucking make me understand yeah make me understand and that's something that the drone shots did i thought like you could see the elevation change a little bit better and yeah i i think that the more time goes by and they incorporate the drones more and figure out when and where to use them i think it'll be real cool can we count on CBS doing that correctly? I don't know, but uh, I just hope they lose it. I hope yeah. they lose the Masters. I get that, you like, like you'll lose. I, I, I get, I get, I get that you'll lose Nance most likely, and like that's. I a, could give two shits if Nance is announcing. Yeah, I mean he it's he's iconic. Like I, I, I get it. He does the Butler cabin shit, and he's friends with Fred Couples, and they went to college together. I get the whole story, yeah. but like, I would, be, I could take I, SVP all weekend. I wouldn't hate that. I would be bummed if Nance was gone. Yeah. Um, that all being said, like someone's got to push the, put the pressure on for things. to. I would like the drones are a good step. The, the depth of field cameras that they brought in were cool for Hideki's finish. Yep. Um, and, you know, they use them other spots throughout the, the tournament. Yeah, they that, need to figure out when to use those things and not use them, though. Like, yeah. I mean, it's difficult. Yeah. Because it's a very limited feature camera that, yeah. like, can only work in certain circumstances. It's hard to get right. But that all being said, I just would like to see, see them get more ground level and get more focused on being able to accentuate. Like, you're going to you're going to miss some of these, but like, you're going to have to get some more tactical shots of balls on the ground and how they move versus you guys kind of using hard cameras to show that movement because hard cameras are generally neutral cameras elevated that don't get much of that movement that you would want versus ground level. And that's the area I think they're lacking. If I could put in any recommendation recommendation is that if you put any shot in a following a ball in the air, when the backdrop is just sky or trees, you have no idea what is going Whatever you're doing with that time, do something else. Yeah, something else valuable because there it's it's completely irrelevant. A ball in the air, yeah, is and that's useless. also something that needs to be said to the actual cameramen. Like, yeah, th- who knows how the- much these guys like know about golf? Obviously, you would think that they're relatively informed and know about the game, but like. That's something that I've seen in golf since I've been watching. Like the For zoom sure. in on the ball and it's yeah. just going through the sky. Like that happens all the time. I would be more interested to understand how 
the the product the production direction yeah, works the guy, because I I'm I would assume that cameramen are more or less basically robots. Yeah, like they're, they're directed just, in their ear to do something exactly, and it's like your job is to watch them on a tee box, follow the ball until it lands, and that's your fucking job. You yeah. do that every single time until I tell you to not do that anymore. Yeah. So yeah. I think it's the creativity in terms of the production and what they choose to do in terms of their angles. If there's a guy in the van that says cut to camera eight and camera eight is a ball in the air, that's who's dropping the ball in that situation. It's not the camera I, guy. I mean, for I would agree it, with that. I yeah. So I, I would just like to see, and I, and I think it really just comes down to like CBS, you make a ton of money. You guys should try to like maybe go to Hollywood, like actually like speak with some cinematographers, speak to people that work in other possible, you know, professional sports or whoever documents just basically like dynamic subjects and yeah. settings and activities and be like, Hey, can you bring a fresh kind of, you know, outlook to, to this, this to this generally, you know, s- this stagnant, static medium yeah. that like has more or less been produced the same way for a very long time. Like I will praise progress in terms of the drones and the depth of field cameras and the the static scoreboard although it was countersinked with the actual production and what was being broadcast, yeah. which was infuriating. Um but at the same time, I think I would like to also highlight that like there's tons of easy, low-hanging fruit to make immediate progress. Get rid of irrelevant shots that provide no scale or importance. Right. You know, balls flying through the air, zooming in on balls on greens that don't show the actual full scope of what the right. putt did. Like it's not tracking. You don't know what the land movement is right. anymore. Like you don't get to see the progress of the putt from start to finish. It's fucking insane to me to yeah. think that that's like a good way for it to work. Yeah. Like. The only time that shit has ever fucking worked was Tiger's chip in. Yeah. Like, so, yeah. Like, that's the only time that's fucking worked. Well, now everybody's just hoping to get the next one. <laughs> then have that camera filming it, but don't cut to it live. Yeah. Only use it for replay backup. Yeah. That's your for way to sure. solve that. Yeah. No doubt. Yeah. To, to, to me, it there's tons of easy decisions that could easily remedy a lot of things that I think a lot of people would find or consider to be like pet peeves of a broadcast. And yeah. it's easy for me to cast kind of stones and, and be able to say what's easy and not easy about a broadcast. But I'm just speaking as a viewer and like all I can tell you is what I do and don't like about a broadcast. And if I'm the reason that, you know, in a small percentage that you guys make money because of advertising dollars and viewership ratings, I'm telling you what I want to see. Right. And this comes from someone who at least has some knowledge of filmmaking yeah. and like production. So yeah. it's, there's tons of room for improvement. And if, if the masters is a place that could use improvement, then you know that like a lot of other places are struggling hard. Yeah. That's my little bit of, you know, broadcast rant. Yeah. Um, beyond that, Last hour was great. I think once again, I thought Jim Nance was great. Faldo continues to suck. Always the worst. Um, Amanda, great. Um, but, you know, ESPN crew. I think they bring a fresh perspective and a more approachable dialogue to right. golf. Um, SVP is fucking elite. Love that guy. Um, just start your fucking broadcast earlier. I don't care. Forget Sports Center for just an hour yeah like come on do you think it is espn that does that and it's not the masters saying that they want to have coverage rights at all and be like having that could masters.com being the only place that you can see it that could very well be the case but i would i would want to know i would like to meet the marketing director at the masters and be like hey less ratings is more important to us because we want to bolster our app if that is the case and the masters want the 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 like the time and people to go to the masters app or whatever, like show an actual broadcast style broadcast then 
Like, don't do just featured group and just amen corner. Like, yeah. fucking show guys on the. But here's the like thing. Here's the thing. The the reason why I think that's not the case is because it's probably more decision from Disney because those were featured. Those featured groups were on ESPN Plus. Yeah. So it's like pay for our service to get the even earlier coverage. It was like squeezing the dime out of the hardcore go- golf fans. You get it for free on the Masters app. Yeah, so but not if you're a cat. But if you're not a casual fan, you don't know about the Masters app, and they're getting and you, you on ESPN Plus. You know about the ESPN Plus app. And you're well, willing if you to have pay ESPN for it, Plus but, but if you, you have, it all the well, time. not if you just have it, but like if you, like if you hear about the matches being broadcast on ESPN, and you go to ESPN and then the app. So you for think ES- a non, like a, a, a golf, a, just a random person that's not super into golf that wants to watch the Masters is going to pay for ESPN, ESPN Plus to do that? Well, no, if they already pay for ESPN Plus because they like to watch the fights and stuff like that. But they, that doesn't gain them any more revenue. That's the yeah. point that Dave's trying to make. Uh, well, the point I'm trying to make is that if they have a regular ESPN app and they see that the Masters is on. Like, oh, the Masters, but it's not supposed to be on until 2. I guess I could watch this. Like, oh, it's on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, yeah, I'll pay $5 to watch the, yeah. the Masters. Yeah, I just think that's a small, small percentage, and it's not like... There's also probably other components of this that I'm not bringing up. Sure. Like, yeah, I'm sure it's always fucking broadcast rights. Like, I'm sure there's some bullshit with broadcast rights. Like, broadcast I would love money. if the Masters just fucking made it pay-per-view and... They just did it all themselves, and we got a extraordinary. I would pay fucking hundred dollars for it. Yeah, like I would pay a lot of money if I had a Thursday to Sunday on the seventy second hole. I mean, you've got to be in a, a small segment well, of people you that can would still, prefer you can that. Still, take fucking coverage. do the regular broadcast. All I'm yeah. saying is, if the Masters did a fucking pay per view thing that they yeah. have Supplement their shit going on, I just think we're not experts in this. Sure. And yes, I think I think the true. biggest thing with this too is that like okay so does Disney and CBS also get a cut of that pay-per-view because you're taking viewership away from their advertisements right. when you do that. I mean, they're also fucking getting viewers because it's Augusta National and the Masters. Like Yeah, but they paid but for that from yeah, Augusta. They, that. they bought that. I understand that. All I'm saying is I I agree. I think the the main thing should be a better product. And I also understand yeah. that advertise, advertisements pay for that. But the point of this being is that, like, okay, I will consume more of this content with advertisers if you start it earlier. Yeah, exactly. Like, I'm just wondering what's 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 driving is SportsCenter driving more ratings than it? Okay, then put it on ESPN two. I don't yeah. fucking care where it is. Yeah, just give me full coverage and I'll consume it more than if I'm on the app for Masters and I don't get any fucking commercials. Right. So my my point still stands though. Like if. It, it, it the featured groups and stuff were on ESPN Plus. Yes, they could still do a broadcast esque style instead of fucking featured groups. But they're not running. Their production team isn't running it. Yes, they're, just, they're just streaming is, it. Right? They're no, the no, broadcast neither group. ESPN or I guess no ESPN is doing the featured yeah. groups. Is it? Yeah. it's yeah. a limited team though. It's like PJ Tour Live. Yeah. I, I mean, I, so at some point during these tournaments, do a fucking. 12 other people show up halfway through the tournament and then they can do a full broadcast. I don't get it. Aren't the same camera guys out there the whole fucking time? I think it's a bigger... So this comes back to our lack of expertise. I think it's bigger than just cameramen. It's a problem that we're not, you know... I I just... I I, I, I find it hard to believe that they can't do a... Like, I'm sure it comes down to money and fucking broadcast rights. Like, I find it nearly impossible that they couldn't do a normal broadcast style in the fucking morning. Like they can definitely do that. They just don't. Yeah. 
I, I, I'm sure money is and and broadcast rights, and that's always what it comes down to. I, mm. I'm fully confident that there's probably two, three, four other major components of this that I just don't know what they are. Right. The the other thing to this though is that you're speaking to something at least honest, which is that you're frustrated because you want to consume this product and you're not getting enough of it, and no other sport deals with this. You don't get to watch only sixty percent of an NBA Finals game. Yeah. You know, you get to watch the entire fucking thing. And two hours leading up to it. And so, then especially when the featured groups have garbage people that you don't necessarily want to watch, that adds to the frustration. Yeah. Dude, I like it's one of those things that I feel like there has to be something monumentally difficult about this for it have not have happened yet. And right. someone needs to sit down as like a chairman of fucking broadcasting and explain to us why this thing works. It's money. The way it does. I'm telling you right now, it's fucking money. I, but I need to hear the explanation about if these people want to watch your broadcast. And maybe I'm just such a small minority of this group because I will watch your advertisements if there's a broadcast on yeah. with all of these people playing yeah. golf. Like, it's, I will give you the money. Yeah, I don't know who's saying no to that. Like, eh, there's going to be commercials. Put it on ESPN, yeah. too. Put it on whatever you want. There's like 11 ESPNs. One of them has got to have... It, it's just... That's that's the most frustrating part, is that there was so much of the Masters that that I think a lot of casual fans missed out on that probably sure. would have stumbled across it. Yeah. I'm at least thankful that we have the My Groups app where I got to watch all of the all of the Yeah, uh, I mean that's awesome. Like yeah. the fact that you can go back and watch any player's round like that that's fucking sweet. Like But I also understand that like Pete like I appreciate when someone like CBS or ESPN try to piece together a narrative, try to present you mm-hmm. a package where you don't have to be an active controlling dynamic user. Like you get to sit down and just kind of watch these things unfold, and that's why the my group thing is so crazy. You just put them on and you watch it, but like it's it's you know it's a little, it's a little bit delayed, right? And it's not quite you know the same kind of like moment of all of these all of, all of us right. collectively kind of appreciating this. And what it's, it's also good. a ton of golf too, in the sense that like I can't sit down on the couch, put on the my group app, and then me and somebody else like all enjoy the same kinds of golfers. Right. Like I would want to watch a bunch of Sungjae shots. That's not how other people would want to possibly want to watch right. it. Yeah, I mean, the way I use my groups is like, oh, that guy shot a low-ass round, and I didn't really get to see any of that. So you can go and check that out after the fact. Yeah. Or if you, like, I, wa- I re-watched uh, Justin Rose's first round yeah. on Thursday because, uh, yeah. you know, I just wanted to see all the shots again. And yeah. I watched Hideki's back nine on Saturday. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah, it just it, it serves a good purpose and it's cool that they have it and I don't I obviously don't want them to get rid of it. Um that's definitely a positive fuck from yeah. All for this. sure. Yeah. Like I I love the fact that like I could be working and then on my second monitor I could just pull up quickly the my groups app, jump back to it like a, yeah. a, several shots back and just let it play through a feed of like my 10 favorite players just going yeah. through like four of their holes each mm-hmm. and just being like, "Okay, I'm fairly caught up with my guys." That's great. Did I have like an emotional connection to these recorded shots and like watching them kind of up? No, it doesn't have the same kind yeah. of like feel to, to it. it. Yeah. So, yeah. In general, I think when you have you know millions of people like in your palm of your hand, like watching as this stuff unfolds live on your broadcast, and you're choosing what you package to people, like I think there's just still there's room for improvement. Yeah. The Masters is fine. Guys. <laughs> guys. The Masters, it's fine. It's fine. 
that's the bow we want to put on it, <laughs> that it's fine. It continues to be fine. Yeah. Another strong, fine performance. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's still my favorite major. Um, but yeah, uh, the broadcast really is the 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 issue. I'm looking forward to hearing about what the 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 dinner will be for Hideki next year. <laughs> yeah, that'll be fun. But yeah, I think that uh, that pretty much wraps up what we really wanted to talk about unless you two have something else no i'm good and i think this is the moment where we would uh invite people to possibly stick around to listen to uh some stuff that they may not care about (laughs) yeah i'll let i'll let you um kind of lead us into this yeah so that puts a bow on the master's portion of this uh podcast we're gonna be jumping into some more stuff more local here uh with golf and kind of our group of group of friends and uh if you care about a complete stranger's golf game or some events that they put together then this is the segment for you um we should probably hang out sometime if this is someone like that because that's wild tweet at us or do something because yeah um yeah so we had our inaugural ranger cup it's uh basically a you know a a knockoff of the Ryder cup on much smaller stakes and a lot less people caring, uh, where we had, uh, 12 people, uh, two teams, six versus six get together to play two rounds of golf over the weekend. The same weekend as the masters we played in the morning and then came back and watched the afternoon unfold on, uh, the broadcast. And, uh, you know, we, we had quite the, the showdown. It was uh, a really good time on Saturday. We played Wolf Dancer golf club here outside of Austin near Bastrop. And then on Sunday we played shadow Glen out in Maynard, Texas, both times on the East side. And, uh, it was, it was a really fun time, man. I had an absolute blast. Um, Dave and I were team captains for this. And, uh, unfortunately Dave couldn't make it to the weekend. He was sorely missed out there cause he was definitely going to bring a different, different a command vibe. and uh, fieriness to the to proceedings for sure. Yeah, it was unfortunate that I couldn't make it out there. I had some unforeseen circumstances uh, come up, which uh, for unfortunately uh, I couldn't make it. And uh, but I was in the group messages and uh, my, yeah. Do you want to speak on basically? You still had an influence on your team, which I think I tried important. to have an influence on the team since I couldn't be there. Um, I know both of the courses relatively well i know shadow Glen much better than wolf dancer but i am getting to know wolf dancer better now that uh you're a member out there but uh yeah we our team had a separate little group message going on i uh laid out all the tee shots that i recommended in the group message for all the guys on the team um, you can't just gloss over that. You there's 36 holes. I was going to say that's insane. And you legitimately mapped out like the recommended play off of all of them for your entire team of people that like if people don't understand like our teams range from people that had you know four or five indexes all the way up to like damn near 30 indexes. 28, I think. So yeah, the top. Um, you know that, and that could have been too low honestly with how you know the, the, the weekend I played, played with him on sunday and it was arguably too low yeah. um so it it was one of those scenarios where i think if you hadn't done that kind of prep work it could have worked out completely differently. very differently well and i also don't know how you know well or if they even used them I, that much i, I know I, that jimmy did to an extent but i also know that he also 
disregarded my tee shots that I recommended on holes. And, you know, so I, I don't Yeah. Know. I mean, an active hand obviously would have been more instrumental. But part of being a captain as well is being able to set your guys up for success in their own independence out there. And, uh, you know, if we talked a little bit about, you know, what you did as a captain for me, it was really about just finding, you know, opportunities to kind of get like-minded guys together early in the stages and get them comfortable with the idea of competition, then kind of mix up the teams and build some more camaraderie. I mean, I had my team come together for a rain session before the, the, the Ryder cup event. I mean, Ryan, you met Jack and Trent for the first time, yeah. uh, out at the range. And, you know, we quickly try to get the boys bonded. We spent a couple hours out there. And then we came into the weekend feeling like a complete unit. And yeah. then, uh, you know, I, I think uh, I think that that sort of aspect of it is one of those intangibles that isn't just, you know, uh, you know, you should hit this shot. You should do yeah. that. Like it, it gets people more comfortable with the scenario of it. Of the, maybe if they're down, they have someone they feel like they can rely on. Um, as yeah. weirdly as it sounds, it kind of gives you a glimpse of like what maybe being like a, a Ryder Cup like assistant yeah. captain or captain would be. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, another thing is, like, after the first day, um, you know, me not being there, I was getting... They were doing a relatively good job of, like, giving updates throughout the the rounds and saying, like, this group is two up and this group is one up and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, uh, on the first day, all the groups or all the matches came in and they were ties, which I was really surprised to see. Shocking. Yeah. It was, uh, a wild con- especially considering one of the groups was down by four holes or five holes. There I was think. two separate groups at Wolf Dancer on Saturday that were down by four at one point and got it back to even. Yeah. We were down four at the turn. So down four with nine to play and ended up in a tie. Yeah. Um, and then well, where I was going with that comment was, so it was all ties. And then the next day rolls around and I see the pairings and kid has switched up who was playing with who. And my team had just left them the same. And I don't know if that played into their hand or if they were just that confident in or you know happy yeah, with the group. as an outsider how did you kind of read into that what did you think what what from what yeah. you did or what my team did i think both i would love to hear your thoughts on both um i knew since they t- i knew you were trying to do whatever you could to get an advantage and you saw how the teams worked the day before and you were probably like well this pairing probably could do a little bit better and if they're keeping their teams the same uh then i think this could work out better for us with my team, uh, I don't think there was that much thought or care for the pairings. Like, I think they all felt relatively comfortable with who they were with. Um, so I don't know. And I also didn't, I wasn't there, so I didn't really, I couldn't really. Yeah. I, 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 that's why I wanted to hear your perspective because the thing is that we were at the house watching the match after I had finished up. And we kind of talked about like, if we want, like I was speaking candidly with Jimmy and brain be like, Hey, do you guys want to like mix things up and kind of get boys kind of like different camaraderie going, different chemistry going like as just kind of like a more of like a healthy proposition for the Ranger cup going forward. Like have these people that maybe haven't met each other, play with each other, like build more of a bond. So mm-hmm. more people keep continuing to golf together, kind of build this community of golfers, let the Ranger cup kind of flourish because who knows what the teams will be next year. Who knows mm-hmm. if like, there's people that have left the Ranger Cup now that like I am very convinced are going to be far more like engaged and committed to golfing in the future because right. they enjoyed mm-hmm. it so much. 
Like there's people that are already trying to schedule another Ranger Cup. They want to do another Ranger Cup. They want to schedule golf trips. They want to like they want to meet up and golf more. Like it's getting the exact result that I wanted. And I think because of that is because I had mixed up my teams a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And my goal was to kind of keep this thing flourishing. Whereas I think Brandon and Jimmy to a degree was very just focused on keeping the vibes right. Or they want to keep the comfy pairings together, what they knew they could control. Mm-hmm. And for me, I was like, that's not really my main goal for the Ranger cup. Like I want to win for sure. Um, but my, at the end of the day, I was really just being like, I would love for Jack to leave tomorrow and being like good friends with Brian and like want to golf with him sometime. And the yeah, same mm-hmm. thing with Trent, like meeting someone different and playing with someone different, not feeling enslaved with just the other person that lives in his hometown. Right. Like having these kind of teams expand and kind of go through different stuff. So I think it was two different philosophies to picking. And for me, I also kind of looked at it the same way that I think you would have as a captain basically being like, okay, here's a new format that we're dealing with. Mm-hmm. We, uh, you know, for the first day we had the first nine is a best ball with, you know, your partner and you take whoever got the better score and you play your own ball. And the back nine was a modified alternate shot, which we actually changed the day of Dave. It was basically, you take a scrambled tee shot and then whoever's tee shot you didn't take, then they take the next shot for the alternate shot. Oh, I hate that. It was an all shot shamble. It was mostly that. it was it was it the was right the, move. It would have been let him, really let, hard. let him let him I, I I get why you did it, but that's definitely I would have been so out on that. Your team would have been obliterated if we had And the the, I fucking know that. I I we had Clint on the team. We had I cuz I wasn't there Colton like I understand that, but that's just not what that's not the the format that I signed on to, but I wasn't there. Like, why yeah, do you, why do you hate it? it? Because it's, it's not pure, alternate it, shot. Yeah. It's I, not, I get the, that. it's not the no, format we were planning on doing. And my biggest thing going into this whole thing, I was so excited for the alternate shot. Like that was because no one ever wants to play it. Yeah. And lo and behold, that wasn't no the reason though. It. Like I, I proposed it because I was fearful that your team wouldn't have it would have it would have killed pace of play. We would have been looking for a bazillion lost balls, and I was worried about us running behind because we were slow on the course. Yeah, and that's the why the way I chose it. I was not trying to stir any trouble at Wolf Dancer. When I've played a lot of alt shot events, alt shot technically should be faster. You're not playing, if you're losing no, balls. Not off if the you tee. can't get off the tee. If you I mean, spend three minutes, how, you, you were losing balls off the tee with best ball, anyways. Yeah, but you commonly your partner would be like, all right, I got you, Parge. Just don't worry about it. And like you're just kind of, or you're just dropping. No, me. Not, they're playing the ball out though. They're not just picking up, and not trying to play the ball. But they're more ready to drop quicker, or they're more ready to be like, I'm out of this hole, like kind of thing. I think that the pace of play thing is. Not I a for good sure know it was faster because when you hit, when you're playing a scramble off the tee, you're like, I immediately know we want to take that ball. We won't even look for that one. Yeah. Whereas if you're taking an alternate shot, you're spending three minutes looking for a ball in the native grass at Wolf Dancer that you already know takes a long time. Well, and it's like, are we going to hit a third tee shot now versus going out there? Like, that, it brings just a lot. I, 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 I understand. I'm telling you right now, I'm like, next year, I'm so out on that. Yeah. Fine. You can be bitter about it. I, I, I don't. I mean, I wasn't there. Like, it doesn't matter to me. I mean, I, I just, I, because everyone was like, I, this is the first of me hearing it, and everyone acted like it was an alternate shot. Like, I, this is literally the first time I'm it hearing it. It was for 75% or more yeah. of every fucking hole. Yeah. It played like an alt shot with just having the T shot. I mean, like, it, it still felt like alt shot. Like, Bryce and Keith playing against us are like, 
But this is for wild. Me, for me, I, like I was going in strategically because I was p- planning on being with Clint. Like, okay, who should tee off on 10 first? So we know what holes like you should be like, what would be the best tee shots for you to be hitting? Like, yeah, you're probably going to want to have the tee shot on the short downhill par three and the harder tee shots where there's potentially a forced carry or like out, out. Yeah. I just, there's more strategy that goes into it. Like, yeah. I mean, we don't have to get too deep in, into this. It's just, yeah. Yeah. I, I literally just was told that. So Yeah. And I mean, the the reason I did it was the reason I said, and the reason that I did it was also a good thing for us because we were already slow and we finished at least under fucking five hours. Yeah. And we weren't, we didn't have too much of a backlog behind us. If it was a true alternate shot, we would have been slower without a doubt. And so I made the decision on it. I got confirmation from Jimmy and Brandon and we proceeded that way. And I truly believe it was the right decision. And we can change it for next year, but also next year people better be better golfers too. Yeah, because <laughs> it, it's it's going to be a, a time suck to at least to agree, or we have to be on a better course where it's easier to find balls. Yeah, which yeah is definitely something to consider. Which as is well. which is fine. We can we can do something like that. I'm not completely stuck on Wolf Dance. I'd love to change it up. Yeah. So um, that being said, it was the cheaper of the courses, considering it's nine times better than Shadow Glen. Yeah. Um, in conditioning and track, but yeah. Um, but as Dave said, the, the first day shook out being all square, which is pretty wild. It goes to show that the handicap indexing, as much as people like to bitch and groan about it, shook, shook out just fine. And it showed competitive golf and people seem to be all in high spirits after the first day. Yeah. And, uh, I gotta say as someone who never grew up playing competitive golf, I've been in, you know, high quote unquote, high stakes money games, or at least felt pressure in that degree. And I never felt more pressure during the Ranger Cup than that. Like it's been more just like camaraderie and like a fun time. Um, but one of the coolest feelings I felt on a golf course was coming down 18 with everyone waiting greenside to see how this thing shook out because it came down to the last match. And I had to, I, uh, me and my partner Tim had a four up lead on the eighth hole tee and then managed to lose five consecutive holes. And then kind of get some pushes here and there and then start clawing our way back a little bit. And at one point we were down by two with two to play and it managed to grind out a win on 17. And then we come into 18 basically being like, we've got to fucking win this hole. Like, yeah, like we're going to go into the next day being down if we don't fucking crush out this hole and having people kind of come together, you know, we we put ourselves in a tough spot off the tee, even with two shots. We I, I roasted a three wood that ended up into a bunker. Yeah. And then Tim had to get out of the bunker. And then I had this nervy 60-yard shot over a bunker that I had to kind of flop onto the green with fucking eight people watching you that are all, like, either rooting for you to fuck up or rooting for you to, like, do well. And, like, everyone's, like, par- like partying and stoked and rambunctious. And then just, like, stuffing that flopped, like, shot to, like, five feet was, like, a really, really nice sensation knowing that like they were in trouble and that's all we need to do to like pretty much win the yeah. hole and push the match. Like yeah. that was a really cool feeling. And yeah. Like I'm really excited for more of those in future Ranger cups. Like, yeah, it's, it's awesome. I unfortunately didn't get that in this cause I went out from the first group both days, um, which was very critical for the second day. Yeah, 
for sure. Yeah, like <laughs> you, uh, they you, they send out your front runners and they send out their anchors, and yeah. those are the two most kind of critical spots. So, yeah. Uh, you know, speak to your speak to your first your first day because you were matched up against what I would consider to be kind of like the anchor kind of pairing for for that team. Yeah. Um. So the first day was really brutal. Um. Is the anchor pairing for my team, Bryson Keith? Yeah. yeah. So Bryson Keith came out. They played really well. Um. Like it was nuts. They were getting quite a few strokes off of us, and like we were having to make birdies just to hang in there. Um, so we were down through down four at the turn. Um, we also uh, implemented a rule that any birdie, net or gross, uh, is a shot of fireball for everybody in the match. And I think we had six shots of fireball before the turn. Um, so things were getting a little salty out there for sure. Um, Dan and I knew that we had the advantage in alt shot against those guys though. Um, and we clawed right back. We actually, we got to number 17 with a one hole lead. And I was like, we've got this thing. This is fine. The next hole is a par five. We've got a distance advantage a little bit. We're Gucci and Bryce in the alt shot sticks one to 20 feet on the par three. And then Keith, who legitimately had not made a putt all day said, I haven't made one yet. This is going in. And I was like, there's no fucking way. And he just drains a 20 footer for birdie to make it all square going into the last hole. Um, it was a blast. It was a roller coaster. It was really fun to have that. Was that was the loudest roar today too. And all of us were down that like kind of lowland yeah, area. And you could like hear it across the holes. Like it was honestly hilarious. They had a choreographed routine. It Bryce was actually was heel pretty kicking. like, it was nuts for us too. Cause that was when we were two down on 16. Yeah. Like basically being like, okay, we really, really need to claw this to thing back. back. And we got kicked in the nuts two holes in a row yeah. where I had a birdie putt to put us up or at least get one back from 30 feet, and it literally horseshoes on me, which yeah. was just brutal. And then we go into the next hole. I'm, like, deflated after that putt not dropping. And then we get into the – and they win that hole by – or they push that hole by a pop yeah. again, like which is just always so aggravating yeah. to be on that side of it. And it was just like hole after hole, they would push it with a pop and just keep it. And then we go in this long par six, uh, long par four, number 16 at Wolf Dancer, and, you know, put it into a good spot off the tee. You know, they put it in a good spot off the tee. And then right before I go to hit my second shot, I hear them freak out on yeah. that par three. And I'm like, oh. And now I'm thinking, you know, with, uh, with Tim, we're like, we're looking at our tee shots. And Dave is gonna hate this. Like, which one do we pick now? Which it has some strategy, and like you're not. Sure. Who do you want this to do the next shot? It has that you know strategy yeah. of alternate shot. So and you our, took Tim's. Uh, yeah. So we took Tim's. Yep. Hate that. And uh, I had basically, if there's more on the line and more pressure, I feel like I was gonna be the one that could capitalize on the shot given mm -hmm. that moment. Yeah. And after the roar, I was like, all right, I'm gonna put it close, and then I'm jacked up, and I fucking full blown just like sail it i just fucking pure it and it just goes long and i put tim into the fucking like long shit long left of yeah of that 16 hole and i'm like they just fucking either won the match just now and we have to win our match or they got it back like you said and like fuck we're in a tough spot yeah and you know that hole worked out with us pushing but it was just one of those things that just comes back to like your big moment like i could feel it on the yeah course. it affected everyone and it just got me jacked up to hit a good shot and i did but it just went long yeah but yeah, and then you guys went to 18. We you went to 18 square. and we were all square. And it was again, like, 
I had to hit like kind of a gnarly chip in just to get us on to, to have, cause we were giving a stroke away the whole time on that last hole. Where it's yeah. like, shit, this is uh, giving away one on a par five is not ideal. Like you're never safe cause they can always approach. So it was high pressure. It was a ton of fun. Honestly, I was stoked that it ended in a tie. I thought that was a really cool, like kind of summation of a really roller coaster round where it was anybody's tournament throughout that that first 18 so it was a really really cool way to wrap it up yeah super fun format and worked it, out really it, well it was a day where you could have like taken away from it feeling like you had won that day or lost that day right. and i think generally everyone had a really good time and everyone kind of left that green kind of feeling like everyone won that day yeah and we're excited to go into tomorrow like it probably would have been a bit more competitive or a bit more gritty like if someone was either trying to come back and defend or come back and like claw back at the the, yeah. the deficit or something like that but I think for the most part, um, I would take the first day of the Ranger Cup as being a uh, a push in that fashion, you know, as yeah. uh, as being like everyone being stoked and everyone kind of going tomorrow. The night not being too crazy because, you know, we went and just had, you know, we had a housewarming party at my house and we had, you know, 30 people over there. And, uh, you know, I think there may have been a bit more maybe jabbing or kind of bitterness if we were in a more tough spot with the ranger cup with everything being all square it's as if it hadn't even really started yet yeah had had saturday gone how sunday went there would have been a little more hostility for sure and with just how without drunk people were too like for sure it probably would have had a bit more like well there was some more handicap implications and stuff that we'll get into that that came into play sunday yeah so to to put a bow on the first day at wolf dancer it came up being all square you know everyone was kind of vibing you know there was tons of movement it wasn't just like a blowout you know almost every i think maybe every match went to 18 yeah i guess it has to if it's all square yeah but like you know it was at no point was it just basically like a dull grudge match yeah. trough. Like there was tons of volatility and movement throughout yeah. the course. And um, for the most part, I think it was a pretty big success considering that that course is really difficult. And, you know, it probably played a bit more into the lower handicappers hands. And, and uh, I just hope next year we have people that have more accurate handicaps. I was going to say, and, 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 and not just so much that like they're better than their handicap, but just, just so we know, we, we just know what your consistency levels are. That I mean, how many guys actually had a true handicap? Us three, Dan. Dan. I don't even know if you can say Dan was a true handicap. Dan has scores. If, if I'm being Grant, com- if I'm being completely honest, Dan's handicap was probably too low. It definitely is too low, it's and that's just because he doesn't play as much golf now, so he's not posting as many scores. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you're listening to this right now log your scores whether you're in the ranger cup or not if you play golf log your scores that's yeah, how golf it's works. so easy it's yeah. so easy and, and i get that a lot of people don't play exactly how the game is played and it may not be like postable scores but like just try to get a baseline yeah. something pretty close to what you think you did and like brandon had an accurate handicap yeah i'm sure brandon had does. an accurate yeah, handicap for yeah people. um does jimmy not jimmy has no, to no really. no jimmy's handicap we did the best we could yeah like, oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, he had like two-year-old scores from the old way of doing the handicap. Doesn't he play a ton of golf? No, he doesn't. Okay. He 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 used did to. used to. He he probably will now after this week, which is a benefit of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But yeah, his his handicap. I don't know if he sh- like shot like if it, the one that we came up with worked well for him. If that was fair or not. But, I mean, uh, he pushed his first match, and then he went to 
maybe 17 or 18. I mean, he what, did, lights y'all, out what did y'all figure out for Colton's handicap? Uh, he, t- I went back and forth with him before I put him on a team to mm-hmm. f- so there would be no bias. And then he came back saying that he was between uh, – he came back saying he was between a, a 17 and a 20, and I think we played him at a 19. I thought it was 18 exactly. Or something like that. I don't think he had many double pops. I don't think, but – yeah, remember. I mean, I could even think that's a little low for him, but yeah, I mean, I, it seems fair enough. Yeah, it worked out, and that was like what he said to me. Yeah, yeah. um, and then Tim, we who hadn't played golf in two years, he played as uh, a twenty. We played him. At, I played him at a twenty-one. Okay, and at at Wolf Dancer, he probably played to that number, if not a little bit over that number. And it sounds like at Shadow Glen, neither of us were in his group, but it sounds like he outperformed his handicap. Yeah, he made a gross birdie on 18 to kind of wrap things up. Yeah. I, I think he did, yeah. And it yeah. also helped his so partner. two people that outperformed their handicap on Sunday. Yeah, we, yeah, yeah. we did. One of them dramatically outperformed it. Yeah, well, and we'll, we'll, we'll get to that so Ryan can speak to it. So going into the next day at su- Sunday at Shadow Glen, we uh the the format for this was a best ball again for the front nine you play your own ball kind of get into the, the groove of things and the back nine shadow one is notoriously pretty difficult yeah and we played a just a, a pure scramble and uh i think it worked out pretty well given the course and how that sort of thing works especially with higher and lower handicaps and to kind of come back to you know you looked at how the pairings were put out for the second day, Dave, and you're like, okay, d- kid had mixed things up. He did something differently. And my strategy was basically, I want to put a low handicapper with a high handicapper. And because I know with the way that we decide how, how we were doing the pops in the back, that like a low handicapper is going to get the benefit of a high handicapper's pops. And if you're taking a scramble mm-hmm. and you end up taking all of the low handicapper shots, then he basically just gets extra pops on his normal rounds. Yeah. Realistically yeah. for my team, like, if I implemented that same strategy, Keith should have been with Clint and you know, we would have figured it out from there, but yeah. Yeah. Or yeah. Jimmy should have been with Clint. That's what I advised to Brandon was like, you should be putting Jimmy with Clint. Yeah. And that also doesn't help the fact that as well, Colton didn't show up on Sunday. Yeah. I do think that that probably helped Jimmy. Like I think Colton sure. could have been a detriment. Yeah, to that team. Jimmy played and, and, lights out. And just it. so like the listeners understand what we did for that, it's basically, um, and Dave is gonna have, he would have obviously words he'd want to say to me at the at the at the at the Ranger Cup if he were there. Was that basically Jimmy was at a deficit with him being by himself in a best ball matchup between people, and Jimmy played at a, I think it was a seven for the Ranger Cup, and I feel like that's not fair if you're by yourself. So what I did is I added, I took half of his handicap of a seven which was three and a half rounded it up to four added it to his seven which is 11 and gave him an 11 handicap for the front basically yeah. boosting his handicap by 60 percent. yeah but that's you're talking about nine holes so what did that realistically help him well he probably got two extra pops two or three extra pops yeah. i would yeah i'd have to look at the scorecard because that front nine is easier so he may have gotten less than that it might have been just one extra pop I mean, he would at least get no, because it goes. It's it's all odds on the front and evens on the back. What? Yeah, every every score, the handicaps, it's all odds. One, three, five, seven, nine. Yeah. 
how is that? No, that's not how that can work. It's how it works. I promise you. As someone Handy- who's in the mix of a lot of sports Handicaps are dependent across how difficult the holes are, and you can't perfectly design and architect a course that requires... It's hotter even, so when you... F- if you were to flip a nine at a course like my course recently did, the number three handicap when they flip becomes the number four handicap. So it actually gets slightly less pop beneficial, even though it's harder. Wait, it's so you, stupid. So you, wait, I know. No, you're trying to tell me that every single golf course, the number one handicap is on the front nine. Yep. Is that true? I'm not, not trying to think of every golf course. Yeah. I, this is bad podcasting. I don't want to sit here and, and, but that sounds like horse shit. I mean, I, I agree, but I'm 90% sure that's the case. Uh, I mean, just look at any of those cards. And... I am trying to find a shadow burn. Isn't the number one handicap a gray rock on the back? It's number seven. It was number seven. Now it's number 14, which is now the number six hole. <laughs> I don't understand this at this point. But Dave has like twelve scorecards no, right now like that he's it, looking at. Yeah, but he's not looking at any of them. That's what I said. I'm looking for Shadowburn. Well, which somehow I don't have a scorecard for. But like, yeah. if you look at but any of those, look at any should, of those yeah, courses and look for the number one handicap. Or just odds and evens. I'm telling you that you'll notice on every card the sides are all the same. It'll all be odd or all yeah, be even. Riverside's is odd and evens. Falconhead. Odds and evens. What the fuck? Yeah. TPC San Antonio. Odds and evens. I've literally never noticed this about I golf. Either. Yeah. That's fucking wild. It's why crazy. would we do that? It doesn't make sense. It's stupid. That, that, would, so- that would also explain why some hole handicaps are wrong. Yeah. You're like, why? how is this the hardest hole? The other one's obviously the hardest. It's because it's on the back instead of the front. That may be the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. Golf Mind related, blown. like about the game. Yeah, it's yeah, it very is stupid. Dumb. Anyway, I don't even know where the tangent was at this point. Oh yeah, you're saying that like that may he not be fair for Jimmy. Extra he pops on one side. Basically, you're saying he probably should have gotten more pops. Mm-hmm. Just like I think that I, I just think that if I was there, but you're just saying that you think Colton not being there was to Jimmy's benefit. I do because I think I, I, I do think it was to his benefit. I just would have argued a different way of making it more fair for jimmy okay uh anyway and then for the for the back nine because jimmy got to play two of his balls and this is where dave is going to disagree with me i lowered his handicap by two strokes from a a seven to a five so i didn't round up to a three or whatever it was before i just did two yeah onto it basically because jimmy and i have had this conversation for a long time that says like if we got to play a scramble with ourselves, we're scratch golfers yeah and on the on the first tee box i said I'm, I'm fucking scared of you playing two balls by yourself right now and the only symbols i had in my head is that he doesn't play shadow glen well yeah and there's a chance that he doesn't play to a scratch at shadow glen with two balls and he shot a 35 and he, sh- he shot a 35 in the back which is a scratch golfer on it's the back one under he yeah. just underperformed to the front like you said and you would have argued for more strokes in the front yeah but Everyone was on the tee box. Everyone was on the practice screen when we were discussing this. I'm like, before we start, is this fair? And everyone agreed yes. Yeah, and I thought it was fair. Well, you're on my team. Well, and my team is full of. Brandon is on your team. Yeah, Brandon is on my team. And I think he has a competent understanding of how handicaps work and how. I don't. I don't think he fully 
understands what you were saying is going on. So or did he care, I don't think, to fully understand what you were doing. Yeah. Okay. So he shot a 35 for 32, though. Like, that's well below. I mean, it's pretty rock solid with getting those pops. I mean, like I, like I said, I think that I, w- I would have done it differently. I don't think it plays that much. Kid's argument was that he got to see his shot and hit a shot right after it. Um, and the other team has a different guy hitting it. And if you, you got to go club, slower through explaining this. You're going quick. Like, wh- why two balls with the same person during a scramble is beneficial? Like, it, it is beneficial to an extent, but... The other team with two different guys still has that same a similar advantage because one guy can hit, go long, and be like, hey, you need to do this yardage instead of this yardage. Like, Yeah, you don't have that same feeling. You definitely wouldn't have gotten that with Colton. Yeah, that's what I was going to say is you've got a 7 hitting the second shot instead of a 20. I mean, yeah, I get that, but I, I just – I don't know. I hear what you're saying. Like, I think the main thing being here is that, like, you know, there's a reason that your second golfer is really fucking good. Yeah. Like everyone's second golfer is really fucking good. Yeah. It's because you both you learn both conceptually and through your feel, feel what you did wrong. Yeah. And you know exactly how to now re hit that shot. You can't convey what that line, that stroke felt like when you're chipping out of the rough. They just yeah. have to like kind of guess with what you're, you were kind of talking about when they do it again. Yeah. Like, so yeah, we're, we would be having a different conversation if, you know, Jimmy went out there and fucking played, you know, abysmally. What, who, what did the team he played against shoot on their scramble? Uh, I, they I, won by two. I don't remember their score, but they won by two. And, and Tim still, had and it like still went to the, eighteen, right? They won eighteen to make it go. To, uh, yeah, they were they, up they one going two, into eighteen, they, yeah, they and won Tim made up. birdie. Yeah. So yeah. they went to 18. And it was Tim and who? Tim and Trent. Trent. And Trent was a five. The yeah. best handicap out there. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I would have argued for more strokes for Jimmy. Yeah. But it's also easy to say that after they had lost. Yeah. Like if it if Jimmy had won, be like, look. Well, I, I have the text to prove it. I was talking to Jimmy and saying you're getting shafted. Yeah. In our group message. But wouldn't you always say that regardless because you'd be fighting for your team? Yeah, but like the, he was explaining to me what was going on, and I'm saying I was telling him like you need to argue for more strokes. You're getting shafted. I don't think that he got shafted at all. Well, this was before. Like, also, that's easy to say after seeing when he what plays he, well. Yeah. yeah, this was before he had even played. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't. I did. Whatever I thought I could, I didn't go through that trying to shaft Jimmy. I understand that. Mm-hmm. I understand you're trying to make it as fair as possible, and you were in a situation where I'm sure you had to figure out something quickly. I literally had three minutes. Yeah. Like, before we were teeing off. Yeah. We were about to pull a random off of the driving range, who which, said he was a scratch, which would have made you even more angry if that scratch person, who was a scratch, ended up playing like a fucking, like, seven yeah yeah i mean that would have definitely upset me i mean regardless i shouldn't be upset about any of this i wasn't even there but yeah it's still your team though yeah that was that was your team and you tried to still have a presence you know during and you know you guys had your coordinated group chat which i could also say is cheating being able to text backward to a different group you know it's a little i I never brought it up never brought up Mm -hmm. until the podcast 
going back and telling people yardages for after having just played that the was, hole. They did that one hole on the short par three at yeah. Wolf Dance. And they won that hole. And they In we pushed groups. the match. Yeah. I mean, there was no rules about that beforehand no, sure. brought up. Y'all could have done the same thing. It was clever. I'm sure. There was no we don't have any rules for anything, but there's also rules to golf. And you can't do that in a fucking golf tournament. <laughs> I don't know. Go back and text you your couldn't... buddy. Speed t- texting JT like, yo, dude, the wind is more than you think up there. Don't fucking yeah. <laughs> don't hit that club. Well, we can amend that for next time. I don't I... fucking care. I just am. I, it's just things happened out on the golf course that like people could find reasons to be angry about. Yeah. Like it, 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 it's part of competition. Like it's yeah. part of, you know, things shaking out and people, when you lose, get bitter. And this segues into basically the next thing is that like the kids won, baby. We fucking won on Sunday. It was a clean sweep. All three groups won. I think that was probably obvious with the, like yeah. 30 minutes of conversation. Yeah. Was sad, but yeah. yeah. So like if Jimmy's thing was unfair, we still won the other two groups. But this is the thing is like people like to manufacture the entire situation. They're going to say that Jimmy's thing was unfair. And that, and to your credit, now the first group, Jack's handicap was inaccurate. Yeah. And to Jack's credit, he played really fucking well. And yeah. he had a group with some, like with Brandon and Clint that both get very fucking angry whenever they're being beaten at something. They were very, very upfront about that. Yeah. <laughs> and look. From my understanding, Jimmy, who is the person who said what Jack's handicap was before this had started, before they were either on anyone's teams, what it was, and we took him for that word. And then Jack played like shit at Wolf Dancer to that number, if not worse, the day before. Well, Jack's the one who said his handicap in the original group message. He said, I'm about a 20, and Jimmy said, that's about right. So Jack's the one who said his handicap. It wasn't Jimmy saying that Jack's a 20. He just said, yeah, that's about right. But also at the Ranger Cup, Jimmy would also tell people, yes, Jack is a 20. Yeah. Yeah, well, that that's that was established beforehand, though. All I'm saying is that he validated it and said that that was correct. Before yeah, but and- Jimmy also is a person that doesn't fully grasp what handicaps are. Yeah. Whatever. Like, I had to take a flyer and choose people I didn't know what their I handicaps were for. I get it, dude. I just – it, it, you guys said he played like a five. Firstly, Th- I didn't say shit. I wasn't even there. Incorrect. Yeah. They all said that, and that was foolish, and I argued about that all the He shot a 52 on the front. That's uh, Fives don't do that. <laughs> I mean, okay, yeah. It, like, it, he... So Maybe people are angry that someone who plays less golf than them was hitting better shots he than them at golf, and he's just naturally golf, athletic. And he's naturally talented, and he had beautiful ball flight, and he was striping. He... We made birdies on both the par threes on the back off of his tee shots. It was insane. Uh, he was lights out. I had a heartbreaking. We were up four on the front, and uh, I had about a 30-footer for eagle on the par five, number nine, and I four-putted for bogey, and then my brain exploded, and I could not hit a golf ball, and I had Clint just chirping me as I'm trying to – navigate these rough waters and it took me probably Clint chirping anybody about golf is just it's hilarious it shouldn't even be happening it, it, it's exactly like for people don't understand it Clint, Clint is the 28 handicap that should be like a 36 or so yeah probably right around there and that is one handicap that I will say that we all like agreed to and like not that we didn't for Jax or anything, yeah. but like 
it's hard to gauge what Clint should be. Post Dude, your it's scores. hard to gauge what anybody is going to be, and yet when my team wins, it's now as if this is a huge asterisk, and you guys are bullshit. I have never said it's an I, asterisk. I, I know, but like that's like the shit that came up afterward, and like that I should have had less strokes because I was a member at Wolf Dancer, and my handicap should have been lower, and I should have gotten strokes shaved off because I know the course better than other people. Yeah. That's like saying fucking Spieth should have a fucking handicap yeah, at Augusta. Yeah, get your boys in check, dude. I wasn't there. <laughs> I, I would have. I know. Yeah. And uh, I'm assuming that that was Brandon saying that. Yeah. 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 I mean, he can suck it. Yeah. I mean, a- anyway, I, like t- to me, I'm glad that there was a little bit of bitterness because it means people are competitive and they care and they're passionate. If everyone was just kind of like, oh, yeah, it was a fun day of golf, then like I don't think it would have had the lasting impact. I, I think people either hungry to come back and like take back the title or, or, or people, you know, defending it. And, and the main thing being, too, is that like I would love to see. My the, question the, is, sorry to interrupt, but so they want to come back and snag the title, though. Does that mean like we're going to try to keep the team no, as similar no, as possible? No, but so just like for themselves like, to yeah. be like a winner. Yeah. And like, ha- like have a have a Ranger Cup win to their name. Kind yeah, of thing. yeah. Um, but, you know, I I think it I think it shook out pretty well, given the circumstance, like over the course of this thing, we had reached out to over 30 people. We able to we were, we were able to have, you know, more than 12 people agree and confirm to this thing and things you know happened and that results in people either not being able to go for good reasons or just kind of other reasons and then some people flake and you know just getting this thing across the line in general i think was a huge win and then being able to point to this as like something that we did and what it looks like will have people more motivated to do it again and you know big props to tim like coming in and doing this in general, like he lives out in Midland. He drove six hours to come hang out for the weekend and be a part of this thing. Like, and he'll I, be back next year. And, yeah, for <laughs> sure. He'll be, he'll be there next year. And that was another thing too, is like, I knew what Colton's game was like. Cause I had played with him recently and I was like, Hey, it would be beneficial to Dave's team. So they can't be there for them to get the known. Yeah. And then I took the guy who hadn't played golf in two years to come in from out of town to play golf courses that he had never played before. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know. Like it's, it was a really fun experience, and my goal with the entire weekend was just to make it as fun as possible for everybody. And I think it was a very successful to do. It was successful in that at the end of it. And I think that the fact that there was chirpy or bitterness is just showing that like they really wanted to win. Yeah, because exactly. it matters. It, it's actually something that kind of matters, which is cool. Yeah. And I'm I'm really excited for for you to be a part of the next one, both yeah in I mean, person and and playing. And uh, you know, the next thing is figuring out. I mean, when I that next really could have brought some shadow glenn fucking help yeah yeah the same thing with 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 the the conversation around like me lowering strokes at wolf tennis i'd be like dude dave's essentially a member of shadow glenn and he plays way better than a 13 at shadow glenn but you weren't there so i couldn't really play that card yeah um but i'm excited i know i it'd be interesting we'll we'll you know we'll huddle up and we'll make some decisions on how we uh want to you know do the the second the second ranger cup number two and you know where that's going to be who's going to be in that how many people are going to be in that i think it's gonna be a lot of exciting stuff um i think it was wildly successful and i think everyone had a really good time and i think we all got out of there closer and it sounds sappy but i think a lot of people that weren't friends at all are now friends and like a lot of people are going to be more committed to golf and that's kind of a fun little grassroots initiative to growing the game too so anyone who's actually listening to this thing like it, whether it's two of you or four of you or six of you or eight of you, like 
doing these fun little like eventized things is I think a really cool way to like build camaraderie and long-term like engagement with the game. Yeah. I mean, that's what got me into golf was joining a men's league and playing games and meeting new people and getting involved. Like it, it's huge just to be able to play games and meet new people and get close. Like I really didn't know Brandon or Jimmy before this week. And like, I knew them, but not really well. And like, I had a blast with those dudes there on the other team. And I like, now I'm excited to get out and try and find time to go play rounds with B and with Jimmy and all that. It's, it was awesome. It was so cool. And, and like getting closer with homies and seeing old friends I haven't seen in a long time. It's just, it's what golf is all about. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, a lot of that too is like, it connects you with new people. It connects you back with old friends. Like I hadn't seen Tim in over a year and I've known him for fucking over a decade. Dude, I worked with Tim and I hadn't seen him in 10 years. Yeah. Like, it was crazy. So it's just, it's a, it's a cool way to keep things going forward. And you know, I'm looking forward to Ranger cup number two. It, could be in a year it could be in just you know a short time yeah. at the end of the season so you know we'll we'll maybe come back to to this again soon with uh, another podcast whether it's a draft or kind of preliminary kind of talking about the staging for it and hell maybe maybe a listener will be a part of it who knows um feel free to reach out to to us and you know uh we might do some possible future events that could involve that too so uh that's everything on the ranger cup was a really fun time and I'm looking forward to the next one. And yeah, uh, hopefully I'll be there, but yeah, appreciate everyone listening. Um, the masters was sick and the Ranger cup was sick. So, uh, we'll see y'all next time. Peace. Peace.